weirdos have to stick together the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about she and the princesses of power my name is patch and i'm joined by the most wanted criminal on etheria it's vivian how are you today vivian uh well doing all right now that i at least got past the, all that shitty weekend shit because uh y- y- pretty much everybody already uh listening to this or at least most of the people who would be uh already know i had my car breakdown on the way home from work on <laughs> fucking friday because january just can't fucking leave me alone for a bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Neither one of us had a very good week, did we? <laughs> no, no, not really. Because <laughs> uh, it's just, it was just like, just freaking, okay, you're like, hey, back in the office again, full time after being out for, you know, a good portion of January with COVID and bronchitis and everything. And then it's like, I'm back in. And it's like, hooray. And then, of course, I'm, when I'm driving home, it it dies. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out uh, when you have still the original alternator in a car after like something like close to 13 years of the car actually being a car, uh, it turns out eventually that shit's going to break. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty good run, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like really the only like second time the cars really had any like major problem happen. Because like the first was uh, like basically around like June or July of 2018 when it had like a bunch of like undercarriage stuff. Basically, go mm-hmm. put like it needed new struts and everything because they were just pretty much shit. You know, because, like, does Texas make you do yearly, like, car inspections to pass, to, like, renew your registration? I mean, yes, but they're so cursory that they might as well not be inspections. Okay, yeah, because, like, I know that, like, not every state in America does that, because Connecticut only has you, like, basically, like, like, renew your, uh, what you call it, uh, registration every two years, more or less. And mm-hmm. like, uh, but like states, like when I lived in North Carolina, I had to do like the normal state inspection every year, which was always what I had to do like growing up uh, in New York, and then later on in like Pennsylvania and Illinois. You know, basically every state I lived in before now, because I only noticed that last year when I first moved here, being like, wait, nobody has like the like cars registration and like license plate sticker expires on like in at the end of this month sticker on the back of the plate like everybody normally would have that i was used to and it's like oh you just don't do that here because it makes sense because of all the really shitty cars i've seen on the road here in uh, Canada, <laughs> i guess because like all they really do is they just they just, just like okay your car passes missions all right you're good <laughs> drive it till it dies i guess but yeah it's just a case of like uh not a fun thing to deal with because like i basically sat around my apartment for all of saturday and then up until like around noon Sunday when the car was finally finished so that I could actually finally pick it up and then take care of all the tours I had to do, like doing laundry and going grocery shopping and stuff <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. So it, it was, uh, it was harrowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you hear that in the background, but also my dishwasher is going at the moment. It's almost done. It's just uh, venting some of the water out <laughs> i don't know if it's uh, being caught on my end of the recording i'm not seeing you pick up in my uh discord but i hope not 
Okay. Well, yeah, I don't hear it on the Discord, so okay. we should be okay. Yeah, good to know. It's almost done, though. It basically, in the last, like, 15 minutes, it more or less just, like, sits there. It doesn't really shoot any water out or take any more water in, because it's, it's supposed to have a drying cycle. It really doesn't. So mostly I just, like, pop it open and let it just air dry overnight, and everything's all good. By yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just don't know why it doesn't dry. It's supposed to. It's weird. Huh. But yeah, uh, <laughs> is your uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at least better? <laughs> well, my weekend was fine. It was just on Monday my body betrayed me and I couldn't move because everything hurt too much, so... <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah. You, you mentioned what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds was, like fun. It was not fun, yeah. No, um... I mean, it was kind of going Sunday, but Monday was the real, that was the worst of it. So I just yeah. haven't had enough time to do anything because I had to spend a couple of days convalescing. <sighs> yeah, fun. <laughs> ah, the indignities of the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Some Sometimes the body just re- uh, decides to throw you in the dirt. <laughs> It's why, like, I, I, it's like, it's like why I saw like people on Twitter talking about like the like uh, trans fans. What's your ideal body? And it's like one of them is like Mecca, and it's like, well, how is everybody not saying Mecca? Reject the fucking weak flesh and be beca- and replace it with glorious metal, infallible <laughs> machinery. You can still have silicone titty. <laughs> Doesn't mean All it's all I want is to be a gray goose situation. Is that so much to ask? <laughs> well, I, one of them was like straight up like a galaxy, so it's like that's close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, weekend. Uh, not good for of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, least, no, not so much. Yeah, I, I, I at least uh, had the new Fire Emblem to distract me, but at the same time, I really couldn't focus in on it as much because I was just really concerned about what was going on with my car to make sure I'd have it by Monday. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Have, have you played any Fire Emblem at all? Not even a moment. <laughs> Okay, so this is going to basically just be uh, nothing that you have a basis for. But, like, the whole thing is that basically uh, Three Houses, the previous one, was, like, the, like, biggest real departure from it. Because, like, it really had, like, so much, like, Persona stuff just tossed in. Like, they actually, like... Because, like, a big thing with Fire Emblem games, especially ones in the past, like, before they really introduced the supports, like, characters are really just there to basically just be meat for the grinder of, like, well, if this character dies, don't worry, you'll get, like, some other guys later on to take up their sword, more or less, pretty <laughs> much. But, like, uh, I don't know when they started introducing supports, because I really only started playing them since Awakening. You know, aside from, like, technically, like, five hours of Radiant Dawn on the Wii, but I didn't understand what Fire Emblem's whole deal was with, like, permadeath and also having to make sure that low-level characters get the kill on an enemy, because that's how you really get more XP. Like, you only get a little bit of XP each time you attack or, like, hit back at an enemy when they attack you, when, like, when they initiate combat, but you get most of it by getting kills. And so I didn't understand that, so I was just dying a lot and being like, this game's bullshit, and I stopped, and I regret that, because <laughs> you can't, you super cannot find any copies of that, nor the GameCube game that came before Path of Radiance, which is, uh, they, like, Radiant Dawn is a direct sequel to it, like, I think, like, some years later. That's one, that's the one that had, uh, Ike as the main guy, and then the sequel had Micaiah as the main character, but I think Ike comes back in that game later on. But basically, uh... They introduced supports to try to make the characters actually have more of a personality, and at the least, like, some of them, like, you know, like, the main character in the game that usually, like, the character you create is the one that always had, like, supports of everybody, but then, like, 
other certain characters are like, oh, well, this character has, like, supports with, like, five or six people, and that's it for the most part. Right. But with three houses, they really, like, started to try, get, try to make it be, like, yeah, like, at the start, like, you... Because, like, in Fire Emblem, you usually start with, like, some, like, four or five characters or so, and, like, you get, like, another, like, two or three in the early chapters, and then it starts to slow down if you're getting, like, one or two, and, like, there's, like, optional side missions you can do that you get another one. So it's, like, it kind of, like, they kind of, like, drip-feed you, you know, characters over time, more or less, but, like, yeah. in Three Houses, once you pick, like, one of the three uh, factions, more or less, in the very beginning of the game, you've got, like, those eight students associated with that class, and then unless you, like, actually, like, went around trying to, like, get the faculty to help you out or trying to basically recruit or, as everybody said, it poach other students from other houses, you really wouldn't get many other characters necessarily. Like, some would join <laughs> as part of the story necessarily, but, like, later on. So it's, like, you st- like they basically really focused on, like, those eight. Like, they were there in cutscenes all the time. They were, like, actually, like, participating and, like, reacting to the story going on. So they actually, like, mattered, and also you would, like, hang out with them and, like, going to the cafeteria with them, essentially, <laughs> to have food and hang out and stuff in between the story missions. And then this one, they kind of just took all that stuff out. Like, you still have, like, supports with the characters, and, like, they're all just, like, hanging around. You're definitely not floating war school, because, <laughs> like, in Three Houses, there was, like, basically an officer's academy, where it's, like... Here's where the best and the brightest of the continent go to learn war stuff, I guess. <laughs> but like in this one, it's like, eh, it's just your floating island base kind of thing. And there's really not many people there besides just the characters that you have in your party. Right. And, and so they, they've kind of like just gone back to like the stereotypes of them. of like three houses, no, not three, uh, awakening kind of characters where it's like, there's like a brother and sister that join immediately at the start of the game. Who are all like, I'm big fans of the protagonist. We have a protagonist fan club, which feels creepy. <laughs> I'll be real. <laughs> and I benched those two as soon as I got a better uh, healer and mage. <laughs> because, yeah, don't blame you. Yeah. Well, especially also because like, every character that joins your party has like, a personal skill that nobody else gets. And it's like, there's always like, I get better like crit chance or whatever, better avoid when I'm near the protagonist. And it's like... Yeah, but in Fire Emblem, like, you're kind of, like, trying to, like, space out the great bottlenecks for enemies to come in, so you're not really ever going to necessarily always be near the protagonist, necessarily. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I'd rather take this cool, like, uh, lady in, like, a, like, yellow dress with Titi out as my spellcaster <laughs> instead of you. Sorry, <laughs> get on the bench. <laughs> also, I'd rather take this 10-year-old boy who wants to become a doctor but also does karate as my healer, so you also get on the bench instead, lady. <laughs> Out here, because <laughs> that's what that's what they do with the healers in this one. Because like a lot of times in like, it, I'm mostly thinking in Awakening, the healers were just like only had like healing staffs. They really couldn't fight much, but you still would use them just to like basically have them in the back and just grind out XP by just healing all the time. Even though uh, magic staffs in that game and this one actually have finite uses before they break, but they're pretty cheap. <laughs> but like in uh, Fates, they were. I don't remember if it's all of them. I don't think it was because I remember there were like there was like the butler and maid classes, which because your character is also royalty in that game because they're always basically royalty more or less. So you had yeah. them, but they had also like uh, throwing knives where they could just like hit from a distance. So they at least had something. But then three houses, like every character can basically just use like whatever weapons and magic and stuff. So the character classes were more like hybrid classes, so it didn't matter as much. But in this one, they basically were like, well, rather than, like, bring back... Well, they brought back the knives for their classes. Basically, thieves, where it now poisons enemies and makes them take more damage when they're poisoned. So they're <laughs> good for setting up for characters. 
But now the the healers just also fucking do martial arts. <laughs> they're straight up called martial monks, and so like they have like a thing where they can like also like take a hit for allies, but only when they're at full health, so really only once. But they can right. still like severely help out another character so that they can retaliate. But then most of the time you're just having them either go heal or just like punch a character. Because <laughs> <laughs> like uh, basically like this game is like it's kind of hard to be like whether I would recommend this one or Three Houses. Probably still Three Houses just because the story is so much better because like that one had like a lot of like political intrigue and like really questioning the state of the world. This one's just like you're the good dragon. You gotta collect the things to fight the bad dragon. We're definitely just doing the story of Awakening again. <laughs> That's what Awakening story was. You gotta find the five things to fight the bad dragon in that game too. So yeah, it's 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 pretty simplistic compared to that, but the gameplay in this one is way better because like, like I, I played Three Houses on hard with the uh the classic setting, which is like you know the permadeath stuff. But like ever since uh, Echoes. And then later on, three houses. Now this one, they have like a time rewind mechanic. So this way, if you fuck up a turn, you can just like rewind to any part in the battle yeah. and try again. So they always rationalize it in some dumb way. This time, you just have a fucking like hourglass time stone thing, more or less, compared to like Anila when you had God living in your head. <laughs> Anila, well, I guess also technically, I guess you kind of also had God on your side in Echoes to have the time rewind as well. But it's like, yeah, yeah. usually God stuff. But this time, it's like, like, hey, you got an hourglass. It does it. Whatever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, uh,. Basically, this one, aside from having, like, the fucking JoJo stands of the previous, like, Fire Emblem characters, which are those rings, that you basically get, like, three turns of using, like, their special abilities and whatnot, mm-hmm. you... They basically, like, fully reworked the weapon triangle, because a lot of time the weapon triangle basically would just determine, like, if you had a better chance of hitting somebody. And it's, like, it made... It was made sense when you think about it, because it's, like... You know, spears beat swords because spears have range. Swords beat axes because swords are faster to swing than an axe. And axes beat lances because they can just break the lance shaft, more or less. And that's how it always was. And, like, you still had, like, some other stuff, like, bows being good against flyers just because they can't avoid arrows as much, I guess. And, like, certain weapons being, like, doing more damage against, like, mounted units or armored units. Right. But that was really just all it really did. And you could basically just ignore it all the time. (laughs) But... In this one, they at least were like, let's really make the weapon triangle matter, because now if you hit an enemy with the weapon that they're weak to like that, you basically make them not able to attack back for the entirety of that phase of combat. Because basically, like, Fire Emblem is not, like, a like, person with high speed goes first, it's just your entire side goes, then the entire enemy side goes, and then back to right. you. So, like, if you hit a person, even if you're not doing a lot of damage to them, you at least will break them and make them not be able to hit back so that you can just go after them with, like, weaker characters to, like, basically chip away at them or just make it safer to get around them. But also, as a result, they have basically just uh, ratcheted up the difficulty in general because enemies can do that to you, too. And for some reason, they got rid of the aggro lines from three houses. Or rather, they're in, but they don't tell you exactly who the enemy's going for. It basically just will, like, if you have a character like this, it just shows you the aggro lines of, like, here's all the enemies that can go after you. Doesn't mean they are going to go after you compared to Three Houses, where, like, you would get, like, a full feed of, like, here's all the enemies attacking, gonna target this character, and what the chances of hitting, and how much damage they'll deal. So this way you can basically be like, okay, will they live or will they not? But, yeah, playing the... I started playing it on hard, and, like, I was just hitting a fucking wall all the time of, like, I have to just restart this whole fight because I just fucked up and... So I guess I'm just gonna go down to normal instead. 
and because like even like the uh random encounters you can basically do just on the map to just keep fighting to get more levels and stuff were like five levels above my entire party and it's like i just can't do this for some reason because like they say like level 11 and then there's like a level 14 guy leading the group in there and it's like i i my, my character's like level six to eight i can't fight these guys i need to just back out but yeah but uh even on normal, I, like, I've had some times where, like, a character goes down just because I, like, fucked up something, so I had to rewind. So it's, like, it's still, like, enough that I'm, like, yeah, even on normal, I'd still have to, like, really think about this smartly, so. <laughs> I, I, I mean, because I, I liked playing Three Houses on Hard, even though it's, like, at a certain point, also, like, that game really isn't difficult because you can just make your students so powerful in that game and just take no damage and just nuke enemies for, like, crits of, like, 250 damage, but nothing has nearly that much health in Three Houses. Right. So yeah, it's like, it's a complicated thing because it's like, I'm liking the game. Like, I was a little harsh on it at first, but that's also because I was like really still in the mindset of like, well, I will just put this character with high defense in the front and everybody will go after them, right? And then I could just have everybody else clean up and then they like go in and break that character and let's kill them. And it's like, well, I fucked up. <laughs> Time to go back. I can't just rely on the usual Fire Emblem tactic of let enemies break themselves against your toughest dude and then mop them up, I guess. Because that's just not what this one is. So, it'll, it'll, I'll be really interested to see if they basically take, like, the storytelling and characters of Three Houses and the combat of this one and put them together for whatever Fire Emblem they're probably doing next. Like, inevitably. Cause, yeah, because, like, I would hope that that would be the case because it's, like, Again, like, uh, if they can take the combat refinements and just put them in a story where, like, the characters really matter and there's more complicated thing than bad dragon bad, fight bad dragon, <laughs> then it's like, I mean, to be fair, every Fire Emblem game has a bad dragon, <laughs> to be, if we're being honest here, <laughs> but, like, at the same time, you can do a more complicated story than dragon bad, fight dragon. I don't mean to interrupt, but I need really need you to stop saying Dragon Bad is the storyline because <laughs> <laughs> that that's the story though. <laughs> yeah, but a... Bad Dragon is a thing, and it's not a thing that we would cover on this true, podcast. Oh, fair, true, yes, yeah. <laughs> they straight up called the dragon the Fell Dragon, just like they did in Awakening. It's a different Fell Dragon though, because it's not Grima; it's like Sombron or something. But it's like it's still just it's a evil dragon, and you're the good dragon. <laughs> So I don't know. It's uh, it's always interesting when what they define as dragon because like the main character Lear can't turn into a dragon compared to most other people who are dragons in Fire Emblem, like Tiki being like the first one from the original game because like she fully turned into a dragon in combat to fight people, and like uh, because she came back in Awakening as like a late game character, and like you also had like other. Uh, what they call manaketes, and also I'm drawing a blank on the like various beast people, because like you had like the were bunny lady in Awakening. Usually they have like maybe usually they're like actually like were lions and like wolves and stuff, but that one they had a, a bunny <laughs> for reasons I forget. But I remember her name was Pan. I don't I didn't really use her much, but I remember her name was Pan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they really haven't had like people transforming in games a lot. Like the main character in Fates did. But also, the main character in Fates got powerful enough to the part you really didn't need to do the dragon transformation, and doing the dragon transformation also made you take more damage from weapons getting its dragons. 
Which is uh, kind of a problem. Also, considering the main character in this game also is classified as a dragon for combat sake. So if you find like a person with like a worm killer, which is like a sword that does more damage against dragons, you can't really fight them with a leer because they'll just die. <laughs> At least well, presuming. Okay. I, I haven't actually found the person with the uh, like a worm slayer yet, but I'm only in like seven chapters in. Because like. And by that they mean like basically just story missions are each chapter and like not like three houses where you had like the in-game calendar straight up like persona where like the story stuff would happen near the end of the month. So yeah, it, it definitely goes faster as a result, but at the same time you also have like less stuff to do in between the story missions, unfortunately. So it's like, I don't know, if, if you dislike playing Fire Emblem games, I guess you can do worse than playing another Fire Emblem, but... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it kind of just makes you want to go back and play Three Houses again at some point after I finish this, though. I never did it. I never did Edelgard's route. I never got to prove her right, as she is, because Edelgard never did anything wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I, I gotta be honest, I really don't know basically anything you were just talking about. The closest uh, things yeah. I've played to Fire Emblems are Midnight Suns and Codename Steam, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a grid-based RPG. It's like Final Fantasy Tactics, but the characters have, like, more importance, but, like, for the most part, even by that standard, like, the Fire Emblem characters usually are just like, I'm a trope, and that's it. Now, <laughs> hold the phone it. here. Your characters <laughs> are more important? <laughs> well, I mean... Once a character in, uh, what's it called, uh, Tactics joined you permanently, they kind of just were not in the story anymore. <laughs> Which kind of happens in f the older Fire Emblems, and then this one as a result, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, because I'm just saying, the characters in Codename Steam are, like, Henry Fleming from Red Badge of Courage, and John Henry, and oh, okay, uh, fair. Okay. the Cowardly Lion, and yeah. Peter Pan. I guess, and... If we're going based, I guess if we're going based on that, then technically the characters in Codename Steam matter more than most Fire Emblems, because you had like Abe Lincoln as a character. He's not a playable character, though. He's an NPC. Fair, but still, he's there as like your guy in the chair. Uh, you get uh, Zoro and Queen Khalifa, though, so that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing I know about uh, Codename Steam is that nobody played it, and also that you could also use Fire Emblem Amiibos to get Fire Emblem characters in it. You are correct, <laughs> nobody did play it. Yeah, because it was made by Intelligence Systems, and people are like, this ain't Fire Emblem, what are you doing? Not because it me. Um. Yeah, also that. I, often, I often forget that Intelligence Systems are also the Paper Mario people, considering Paper Mario has kind of just been not doing a whole lot recently. <laughs> I mean, they made that one back in, I guess, only like uh, like two and a half years ago, Origami King, and like people seem like they at least were like pretty okay on that one, even though if it wasn't like, you know, what we think of Paper Mario, which at this point is no longer actually like full Paper Mario, because only two Paper Mario games really have like turn-based combat and party members, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like. Since you mentioned it, the, the, the amiibo thing in Codename Steam is basically the only experience I have with Fire Emblem characters, and uh, it's weird. It's definitely weird. <laughs> yeah, especially because, like, I mean, like, that game, most people have, like, guns, but, like, you still have, like, Krom with just his sword in it, right? Oh, wait, no, I guess you don't even have Krom, right? Because the Krom yeah, amiibo didn't no. exist back then, right? Because I guess that would have been... I was just the first three, so I think it was Marth and Ike and uh, Corrin. 
Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure I remember Lucina and Robin being in there. Cause they yes, were, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because they're like two of the three main characters in Awakening. Which is weird that I see people being like, why'd they pick Lucina as the, the Awakening rep in uh, Engage and not like female Robin? And it's like, because people like Lucina? People know who Lucina is. She's in Smash Brothers as well with the other two. And like, she's she's crucial to the entire overall story because time travel is a big deal in that game. Spoilers, I guess, if you don't know what Lucina's deal is still 10 years after that game released. You see, the, same, the thing is, is that Lucina is the same person as Marth, so I just thought it was the same person I mean, codenamed Steve. She, to be fair, in Awakening, she straight up also introduced herself as Marth because she has like a butterfly mask on to try to hide her identity because she doesn't want Krom to find out that he, she's his daughter from the future. Hmm. <laughs> so she straight up calls herself Marth until like she accidentally calls him dad trying to save his life like midway through the game. He's like, wait, what? And, he's, and then she's like, uh, yeah, well, you know your daughter that was just born during like the recent time skip? Uh, yeah, that's me from the future. Or rather, other way around. I'm her from the future, I guess. The bad future where the dragon won. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Nintendo doesn't hide that anymore, which is made doubly funny because like, in spoilers, I guess, for Fire Emblem Engage Chapter 7, uh, you find out that bad guys worshiping the bad dragon can use the emblems against you. And, like, the one that they use for that is Lucina, and it's like it re references her as question mark, question mark, question mark, or whatever. Like, oh, who is this lady? We don't know. This, uh, this character has kind of been the face of Fire Emblem for the last uh, decade. Yeah, sure don't know who she is. She's definitely not in Smash Brothers. Nope. <laughs> no idea who that is. So it's just doubly funny that, like, especially in Smash and everything, Nintendo's like, yeah, she's Crumb's daughter from the future. It's like, sure, thanks. You kind of also technically spoil a bit of, like, Bilosol's story there in their introductory video and everything, Sakurai. <laughs> that was more egregious, because uh, Fire Emblem 3 House was only out, like, six months by the time they put Bilos in Smash, so it's like, you shouldn't talk about specifics about this game yet. <laughs> Well, I don't know about any of that. I just know that she's completely nonplussed when she meets up with Tom Sawyer and the Cowardly Lion and Peter Pan. <laughs> Does not bother her in the slightest. Well, I mean, she, she summons... I guess, I guess in a way, Codename Steam was a precursor to Fire Emblem Engage of summoning characters from other worlds as well. Because <laughs> I, I guess... I mean, it's like... It's not really specified exactly in the in engage what you're doing there, but like one of the characters does reference uh, that they died apparently in their home game, and it's like um well I guess spoilers for this Fire Emblem game that never released outside Japan and also this character knows he's dead, so is he a ghost? I don't know. <laughs> like like some of the characters like obviously like know each other too at least in like some regard because like uh. Because, like, Fire Emblem Awakening takes place in the same, like, continuity as the original game, just, like, thousand years later. Because, like, that's straight up how Lucina, like, refers to herself with Marth, because she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pretend to be that guy, I guess. And, like, Zelica from Echoes knows about Marth as well, so I guess the Echoes game also takes place on the same continent. So I don't know how these characters also, like, apparently have heard of each other in other ways, but also still have their memories, but can do stuff, even though they seem like they're weird JoJo ghosts? I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it really does read like they had an idea for, like, a temporary, like, powered-up stage at, during combat in this game, and they just decided to make it be, oh, you can just summon old Fire Emblem guys. So, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's it's really over the top. All the characters have, like, silly, like, uh... 
not so much like transformation sequences, but like they definitely have like a like special outfits and float and stuff when they're using the fusion mechanic and they have their mm-hmm. hair change their the uh, character's color. In, in some cases, actually, really enough, Celica, who, even though she has like red hair, your hair turns yellow when you fuse with Celica. I don't know why they chose yellow. <laughs> probably, oh, maybe, probably because like too many other characters that you can fuse with have red hair. So it's like they probably saved that for Roy because Roy has red hair. He probably gets first dibs on that because he's an older character than Celica. That makes sense. Oh, wait, no, don't, no, he isn't because Celica's. Like, Echoes is technically Fire Emblem Gaiden, which is the second Fire Emblem game, because it was literally Fire Emblem spin-off. I just don't remember what her original design looked like in that, because I don't think she nor the other main character all really had personalities in Gaiden. And it's only when they did Echoes that they gave them more of a personality. So, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just were like, well, people know Roy because of Smash, so I guess Roy gets red hair instead. (laughs) (laughs) Even though Roy's game also never released outside Japan. (laughs) It, it that's such a weird series just to think about because like again like you remember that like nobody knew who these characters were back when they brought marf and roy and smash covers in melee right you like you're correct these... i did not know who those characters were <laughs> well I, I, I mean if you look at their trophies they say fire Emblem, it's like what's this series this isn't out in america and like also like back then like their characters spoke in japanese because they just didn't have any english audio for them at all whatsoever and then, like, uh, I mean, the first Fire Emblem game that actually got localized was the one that Lynn is, like, one of the main characters. Because it's, like, her, Hector, and I think the other guy is Elliewood? Like, you play through all their stories, and then they all convene in the end, I think. I think his name was Elliewood. I don't don't, don't uh, quote me on that, but I think it was that. But it's, like, that's the first one, because that, that technically Fire Emblem, the Binding Blade. And, like, that's the first one that got translated into... English, because that's just straight up called Fire Emblem in the States, and it's like, that's, it's like a Final Fantasy 6 verse 3 situation kind of deal, <laughs> where it's like, this is like the fourth Fire Emblem game, guys, and, because like, yeah, because like, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure, I think that was four, or something like that, be- something like that, because I know Genealogy, yeah, Genealogy of the Holy War also wasn't translated to English at all, ever, and people say that's actually a really good one, that was like, apparently like, one of the, like, once that's pretty close to three houses, like, well before it's time. I think it was, like, a Super Nintendo game or something. Yeah, I, I should probably stop talking about Fire Emblem. <laughs> it's fucking yeah, yeah, I fucked mean, a lot that, was, that was, like, 25 minutes on Fire Emblem. <laughs> that's a sizable amount. Yeah. I'm glad you are enjoying the new game. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it would take a lot to make me really just not like it. I mean, it would basically take them making Fates again, because Fates sucks. <laughs> Fates' Fates's story is way worse, and it's like, again, there's an evil dragon, so it's like, what are you going to do in the end? But Fates <laughs> also can let you fully do an incest, so no thanks, intelligence systems, no thank you. <laughs> How did you let that not get... They took out the face-petting mechanic in that, but they still left in the fact that Corrin can fully do an incest with their half-siblings or their adopted siblings, and it's like, what the fuck, Fire Emblem? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why they took a real big step back on, like, romance in Three Houses and now Engage, because, like, the only one that's, like, really fully explicit that you really get to pick as a character is the main characters, and even then, like, apparently a lot of them in Engage are just, like, platonic relationships. Yeah. And, like, uh... Like, in Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses, at the least, like, some of the, like, epilogues for characters were, like, ones that they, like, had the, like, closest support with and everything... So it's like some of them were like, okay, you can inter- like this game actually does straight up say like these characters did end up together because of stuff. 
some of them heavily implied, like the one between Marianne and Hilda, both from the Golden Year, and it's like, how did you not just make these characters gay? <laughs> these, these, this ending text is, yes, they are lesbians, and you're not just saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Again, could be way worse, <laughs> it could be Fates again. Please don't ever go back to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you at least up to anything besides dealing with the stuff on the weekends? Uh, well, not really. Just stuff like, um, the first DLC character for Midnight Suns came out today, and that's cool, but, like, there's gonna be at least four DLC characters, and I don't want to play the whole game again just so I can add one character, yeah. you know? So, I gotta yeah, wait that's... until they're all out, because otherwise it's just me playing the game four more times, so... Yeah, like, not not to immediately go back to Fire Emblem, but they, and, uh... Xenoblade 3 have done the same thing with their season passes, where it's like they add, like, new, like, characters. Because, like, uh Fire, uh... Fire Emblem is, like, they add new, like, uh... Emblem characters, like, aka the Ghost Jojo Spirits and everything. And, like, they say, like, their last one would be, like, a standalone story. And Xenoblade 3 is doing the same thing, where it's, like, they add new hero characters, which are, like, those seventh party members that are not, like, full party members, but are in their group anyway, that you can get their classes from. And their final DLC will also be a standalone story, and it's like, you kind of have to go with that, because you you can't just, like, fully expect everybody to just play the game every single time you add somebody new. <laughs> That's a bit much. Because, like, yeah, it's like, obviously you don't need any of that stuff to actually, like, play through it, and it's like, I'm, I'm still debating getting the Xenoblade DLC, but I feel yeah. like I'll get it closer to, like, when they actually release that because I think it's by the end of this year they'll have, like, the full actual, like, standalone story in it. And so I think that's when they're going to do that. And I think they said the same for Engage. So it's like, eh, I might just wait off until then if I want to play one of those very long <laughs> games again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. With this game, with Midnight Suns, I think the reason it bugs me is because it is a long game, right? It's like... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'd put it at... 70-ish hours if you do everything. Oh, wow. I, I, I thought people were saying it was close to, like, 40 or so. It's 40 if you just speedrun straight through the story. Gotcha. But, like, the fact that to enjoy these new characters, you basically have to start the game over from scratch mm-hmm. is really frustrating to me. Like, if they released them all at once in a bundle, yeah, absolutely, I'd buy that, no problem, but... Yeah, like, like if they just waited until, like, six months after release or something, that to be like, and here's all the characters, and... Exactly, play yeah. Half a year later, if you want to. But, yeah, so we got the first one today, and we have no idea when the next one is going to release, and there's two more after that, so... Mm. <sighs> Just, I don't know. It was about two months, I think, since the game released that this one came out, so hopefully less time than that, but no yeah. way to know. Yeah, because, like, uh, like, I feel like that's kind of also just in general how, like, Nintendo in particular is doing DLC these days. Like, aside from, like, the expansion uh, thing for Pokemon Sword and Shield, the most likely what they're going to do with Scarlet and Violet, like, because I know Xenoblade 2 also did, like, here's like a few like extra like special blades that you can get and then the actual like proper story bit that they add on is like a standalone thing that was like a full prequel that like explained more in detail about like what happened 500 years prior that you only hear about a little bit in the main game mm-hmm. but it's like you have like an entirely different party except technically i guess mithra because mithra's there still and and bridget because they're blades they live like long lifetimes as long as their like crystals aren't damaged but sometimes they like 
forget who they were when uh, their previous like uh, person that woke that woke them up uh, died. <laughs> so yeah, there's a whole thing in Zelda Three, uh, Zelda Two, that about like real morbid stuff of like yeah, we, sometimes we don't want to remember stuff because uh, then we just get sad that our previous person died. <laughs> <That sucks. laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I just like with these, it's not that there's an extra story elsewhere. It's that. Oh, yeah, these are retroactively the inserted into the main campaign, and they do yeah. have their own quests and stories and stuff. If you play the main campaign again, yeah. So again, like similar. Again, uh, I don't mean to keep going back to Fire but they did the, exactly the same thing with uh, Three Houses, where it's like they only really had like uh, one major bit of DLC, like besides like a few like items, items and stuff, because like they did like again like standalone story that takes place at some point during the main game but also really not because like you can get those four characters to join your group like as soon as like chapter two in the base game and they don't mention the stuff that you helped them out with even though it's like more like it was like around like maybe like chapter five six or seven or so i think in the main story then that would have happened because like byleth has the sword of the creator by that point which is the special like bone sword that glows and stuff that they have in Smash, and uh, they don't have that in the base in the beginning of the game, obviously, until like after like chapter five or six, based on what I'm remembering, because that game's already almost three years old. Oh shit, that game's almost four years old. Fuck, three and a half now, because it was like Jan- July 2019. But then like they have like supports and stuff, but they don't factor into like the overall story as a result, because again, they can join like any of the faction or any of the sides that you're in. Mm-hmm. But like they at least have like stories where it's like. Uh, like, each of them has, like, well, at least, like, three of them have, like, a really good support with, like, the main house leader, and then I think it's Bernadetta who doesn't, but she has one with, like, the main guy, Yuri, from the DLC. Like, she, like, gets into their backstories more. So it's, like, it's, like, you get, like, a little bit more fleshed out stuff like that, but it's, like, you really can't just, like, write the entire game around potentially having these characters and that, unfortunately. And that's to be expected. I mean, they were not in the base game. You can't take that into account or not <laughs> so yeah, <I> <sighs> yeah yeah it's like it's i always think back to like when mass effect had that where it's like you know you don't have to like you don't really like have the potential to really like accommodate whether you had zaid and kasumi i guess even though it's like yeah but also those characters kind of sucked so you don't really have to worry about them anyway <laughs> hmm. in hmm? Kasumi's in three. That, they are, but they have like no real importance necessarily. Like they have like one little bit each, and then that's it. Now it's not hold like how... on, Zaid helps you save a senator. Uh, okay, fair. <laughs> Admittedly, but... it's a senator we've never seen before and will never see again, and probably dies in the Reaper invasion. But <laughs> oh wait, are you are you talking about when uh, Cerberus invades the Citadel? Like. Nah, it's it's a okay. Yeah, okay. That's okay. I'm just misremembering, I guess, because like I remember in the uh, specifically that in Kasumi's they kind of make you believe for a sec that Kasumi died and then she disappears again, just being like, yeah, that was a hologram. Uh, She got me. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you you don't matter. Go do stuff outside, I guess, as war points (laughs) or whatever. uh yeah it's like i mean obviously it's like not to the same level as like you know every time that you go anywhere else in that game and like meet somebody else from like the first or second game besides those two dlc characters <laughs> it's just like oh well turn we went to the turian moon like wonder who we're gonna meet here oh look it's garris who could have foreseen this 
right, I guess you're coming with us, bud. Stop being a war counselor, knowing more about the Reapers than any other terrain, I guess, just found the nature of you happened to be around me and saw one, I guess. <laughs> twice. Tw- tw- fair, twice. One was an actual Reaper and one was a baby Reaper made to look like a person. <laughs> that fucking shit. Mass <laughs> uh, <Matt> Effect. <laughs> You think they're ever gonna actually release Mass Effect Four, like they say? Yeah, I mean they still. Absolutely. Well, presumably they have to actually release Dragon Age Four and not get shut down by EA on in the fallout of Dragon Age Four, because it's like, I mean, they, uh, Bioware seems to not be on the greatest terms now that Anthem's dead. So it's like I feel like if Dragon Age Four flops, they don't get to do Mass Effect Four. <laughs> I think they absolutely get to do Mass Effect Four. It's um, how do I put this? Those two series are like the big things that come out of Bioware commercially. I guess, yeah, yeah. So, cause like, what else have they really done besides those in Anthem recently? Then I guess actually, uh, not much for a long time. But the point I'm trying to make here is that like, even if one of those flops, if the other one is already in development, it comes out, and that'll that may be their last yeah, project. But there's no way they scrap the other one because. This is EA we're talking yeah, I, about. They're not going to let a brand name like that fall by the wayside if they can try I, to do I mean, something they, with it. They kind of had with Mass Effect uh, after Andromeda released where they said this is being shelved again. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. That was a weird situation because Andromeda specifically was a disaster in a plurality of ways. <laughs> yeah, and, and not made by the main Bioware studio to be fair. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the big things, it, it suffered the same situation that Anthem did, is that things just kept changing from the top without anyone telling yeah. people. Like, it was initially yeah, conceived as a, a procedurally generated space game, like a No Man's Sky, sure, where sure you would was, go out. Sure was, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there was supposed to be, like, an infinite amount of planets, and then down to 30, and then, like, 7, and that's being generous. Uh, you 4. Include, like... Oh, it's 4 in the main... In the main <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, like... I don't know. I'm 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 going based on what I remember from uh, Matt McBessel's what happened on it. But I think he said it's seven if you include like the tutorial, the like the tutorial place that you don't really go back to, and then like the end zone or whatever. <laughs> so it's like it's really just like like you said, like four actual zones. Some of them yeah. you can't even like walk around in fully because they just have radioactive shit that you need to drive the car around in. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I don't know. I, I I mean, to be fair, I'm just... I, after seeing EA just fuck up so much stuff and kill off so many studios, it's like, I just can't ever be anything excited or interested in EA games, because they're just going to EA it up. I mean, we were, talk- we were talking at length about, like, the dead... Sp- I, I, well, not like, really at length, but we mentioned it in passing in uh, one of our threads about, like, the, apparently the Dead Space remake is really good, and it's like, yeah, it's a pity that Visceral Games had to fucking die for the Dead Space IP to just become EA's entire thing to just eventually have somebody else remake the first game. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, it's like, if you're telling me I could ever pay $70 to play Dead Space that looks a bit better, or I could just play the copy of Dead Space I have on my Steam account. <laughs> so it's still good. It's like, I haven't played Dead Space 3 at all since that one time I played Dead Space 3, and I don't fucking want to go back to Dead Space 3. But it's like, I would play Dead Space 1 or even the second game again. 
I just don't feel like I need to pay seventy dollars to be able to be like, and you don't have the tram anymore. You can walk around and fly around the Ichimura, and it's like I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't care. That I like the silly tram in Dead Space. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I have every confidence that eventually these two games will come out, even if that's what kills Bioware for good. But yeah. also, I think a larger part of the problem with making a Mass Effect Four is just what Mass Effect is about. Like, yeah, like, that's a very it's... 2008 series. Yeah, it really is. I mean, God, the original Mass Effect trilogy ended in 2012. Like, we're almost at the 11th year anniversary of that releasing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's like, because I mean, by all sense purposes, it's like if they stick by what that like barely a trailer showed, it's like it's gonna continue Shepard's story, and it's like I thought yeah. your whole story, but it's like unless you had Shepard wipe out all synthetic life, Shepard's fucking dead, and I guess not. Maybe they're just gonna bring back Shepard from the dead again for a second time. Well, not uh, no, not exactly. I thought it's, like, only in that ending that you see Shepard get out of the wreckage. Because, like, I guess, like, if you do, like, the control ending, Shepard's consciousness is just, like, all throughout the galaxy. Exactly, shit, yes. Right? In the control ending, Shepard's consciousness uploads itself into okay, every mechanical see, intelligence. Here, <laughs> see, here's the thing. I didn't do either of those. I did the one where Shepard decides to, I guess, forcibly change up everybody's DNA to make everybody have synthetic parts and make all synthetic things have organic parts, and that's, that's also fucked <laughs> and yet it's the best ending <laughs> yeah it's it's the, it's the one that obviously you don't take over all synthetic life or wipe out all synthetic life so unfortunately it is the best one of those three shitty options <laughs> like really really it's like that's one thing i always go back to where it's like i know that they added in that fourth ending of fuck of saying fuck you to the star child and it's just like and everybody lost and everybody died but i guess the next people to come around 50,000 years later end up winning and it's like why can't they just have an ending of just like fuck you let's just fight and it's like if we have to sacrifice this whole entirety of the solarians and the quarians who gives a fuck if we win anyway and we have to get rid of the the shitty people who wanted to white do a genocide and the other people who also want to do a genocide then that's fine <laughs> like, i would have been okay with that but no <laughs> well all that aside the like what I'm trying to get at, the reason Mass Effect is a difficult game to make today is because when you take away all of it, just boil it down to its core concept, Shepard is a space cop who is so good that she yep. doesn't mm -hmm. have to follow the rules and yep. can kill anyone yep. she wants to without accountability. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure can. <laughs> That's sure can. the plot of Mass Effect. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So I, gu I guess right, uh, right, right, writer, Riker? Writer, <laughs> yeah. Ryder, I guess, is, like, technically a little bit better because it's not a space cop, even though the Pathfinder kind of reads a lot like just their other version of the uh, Spectre in a lot of ways. Well, but it's, like, you're it's... at least going to, like, a place that isn't, like, an established, like, society, more or less, besides, I guess, uh, the one, or I guess the two alien species out there. But it's, like, it's more like, yeah, it's fucking lawless out here, we gotta figure out shit compared to... Yeah, just go around and just shoot people, I guess, Shepard. <laughs> That's okay. Well... Like, Country don't, reporter. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of image issues with Andromeda as well. It, it's not... I, I mean, the entire point of the game is you're doing a colonialism. Yeah, but... yep. Mm -hmm. you're, well, to, uh, to be fair, you're doing a colonialism to try to escape from the giant... Uh, 
like synthetic monster or some face that wipe out all life in the game. No, that's just like, a side you know, effect. Some people, eh, I guess. <laughs> they were going anyway. The fact that the Reapers came, that, that was completely coincidental. Um, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, in, in those terms, no, Ryder isn't a cop, and frankly, is kind of the opposite in a lot of ways. It doesn't really matter which rider you choose to play. They are always probably some form of ex-military. Uh, yeah. I think that can change with your backgrounds, but that, uh, yeah. The, the real thing is that um, they are actively breaking every law that the main galaxy put down deliberately. So they are extremely a criminal, and just everyone looks you, up to them like a hero. Your, uh, <laughs> your, your one guy there does definitely just immediately start blasting at aliens on first contact. There is that. <laughs> what's this and you, uh In Andromeda, I remember at like, the beginning where it's like, what's his name? The the guy, party member that you're with at the start definitely does just like shoot at the rock aliens or something like that at the start <laughs> even though it's like we're supposed to be doing like proper first contact stuff and not just murder oh you, know? you mean the rock aliens who you see a cinematic of them murdering several of your crew members first yeah uh, fair <laughs> he does but then he goes ahead and just defiles a corpse after that so it's it's still bad <laughs> <laughs> I only remember that in particular because that's the only part I played in the the demo. I only played that tutorial bit, and then I played the multiplayer, and the multiplayer was just worse than Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, well, it's... I like Andromeda a lot. I really do, but they held too tightly to what Mass Effect was and couldn't let themselves be free, and that was a lot of problems for them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the similar thing of what Halo's going through at the moment where it's like, you can't really, like necessarily change up halo all that much before it doesn't feel like halo because like that's what halo 4 ended up being but at the same time like apparently infinite's doing real bad <laughs> i mean part of that is microsoft going ahead and uh fucking over a bunch uh, ten thousand people and firing them and all but it's like it's like you really it's hard to try to like be like how can we like more modernize halo and still make it feel like halo <laughs> kind of deal that it's like also like i mean those games released in the early 2000s so it's like it's kind of hard to be like let's keep the spirit of halo but yeah. actually like make it be something a little different than just what it's been <laughs> and as a result like the last three main halo games have just kind of been this little like we don't know what to do kind of situation because it's like you ever get call of duty halo or halo with paid expended cards that give you more power so it's just pay to win or you get Halo with like, at least free-to-play multiplayer, but also with battle passes and no good character customization outside if you pay for the real battle pass stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I at least liked the little bit of uh, Halo Infinite's multiplayer I played, but I only really played it for like a few weeks before I was like, hey, I think I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to play this necessarily so much. Especially because, like, I got screwed out of, like, getting one of their, like, uh, they did, like, a weekly, like, here's an armor piece that if you do, like, all these challenges, you'll get, and it's, like, something like two dozen fucking challenges, and one of them was dependent upon getting a number of kills in a certain game mode, and that game mode is just not showing the fuck up at all, no matter what, and it's, like, cool, I can't get in this game mode to get kills with a certain weapon in this certain game mode, because you're just not having it fucking generate. <laughs> Like, uh, okay, sure, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Microsoft. 
Fine. Uh, well, you know, speaking of going ahead with your ridiculous plans, whether they're a good idea or not, I feel like... <laughs> Adora? <laughs> you know, it's... Listen, we're almost we, an hour into this episode. Yeah, we yeah, haven't started yeah, yet. Yeah, we're farther in with the preamble in this episode compared to last one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we... I don't know. We're... we're we just have to consign ourselves to the fate that eventually we're going to have a four-hour-long podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I really think we just need to tighten up. Back before the break, we were doing a lot better. We had, like, 25-minute intros every week. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess it's just that, like, so much shit has been going on with us in particular since the break. Because, like, we both, like, you had your trip and I had, like, my move and COVID and everything. And then, and uh, to be in my defense, I thought I was going to not have as much of a preamble. Because I was, like, being like, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about my car and fire on them. And then it's like... At the same time, also, I wasn't expecting to have a fucking car issue. Yeah. <laughs> but that happened literally 20, less than 24 hours after our previous recording. <laughs> so I was like, well, I got something to tell about, talk about, I guess, again. <laughs> yeah. So. Even then, it, that was barely anything. It was really just me talking about Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we, I think we'll probably be able to bring it down in the future. It's just, you know, we've... Yeah. It's been a busy time. Yeah, for both it's of been us, busy, right? and it's been a long time since we've recorded regularly. We're off our groove. Yeah. We'll get back to normal eventually. <laughs> or again, eventually for our long podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. We, I will quit. we have we have like three months between now and when the, the last Owl House episode airs. I think we might get like close to four hours with that one at the least. <laughs> I say this in all sincerity. If you make me edit a four-hour podcast, I will quit this show. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I wouldn't be forcing you to do that. It would be like, well, I don't know how to have a podcast, and we have four hours. So what are we going to do? <laughs> okay, well. Also, we got paid for the, the 2023 website hosting, so you're kind of in, you're kind of stuck in here with me anyway. We didn't get paid for it. We paid. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. Like, we got, we, I meant we got charged for it. Yeah, there we go. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, what are you going to do? Spend 50-something dollars and not use it? <laughs> I will put out 15-minute solo stories about how I'm feeling every week, and that is fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, um, so my episode this week is uh, she and the Princesses of Power, Season 5, Episode 8, Shot in the Dark. We open immediately after the previous episode, about like 10 seconds later, but it's been six-ish weeks since the last time we talked about this, so uh, for those who need a recap, the Rebellion has been entirely Prime-pilled, and Perfuma called to warn the best friend squad not to come back to Etheria because Prime knows they're coming and he set up a blockade, and then the call dropped. So we open with Bo trying to get the call back, but he just can't get the signal, and then he's basically immediately interrupted by Entrapta, who pulls up an image of the blockade on their hollow screens. Because uh, now that she knows it's there, I guess she can search for it. It's just like a ton of arrowhead-shaped ships pointing directly at Ethereum. You would think that they would have noticed this. <laughs> Yeah, especially because they're not that far away. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is, is that it's a super bad blockade, though, because these ships are only around the equator. That like, <laughs> Darla could absolutely just fly around one of the poles and come in there because they are a stealth ship that Prime can't track. I, I, okay, so I have a quick question here. Are we supposed to like believe that no planet in the entire galaxy or universe, or whatever, besides Horde Prime, has actually had any amount of like spaceships or anything? Like, um, 
Like, I think there used to be spaceships before Prime conquered everything, because the Star Siblings definitely had a ship, so... Oh, yeah, that's true. And I guess also the first ones with it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the planet that the Star Siblings came from used to be a spaceport, so... Yeah, I guess, like, in this case, like, Prime is just, like, there's literally only one ship on all of Etheria, and it's I know it's coming back, so I just need to have at least enough dudes around to just scare them off or something. Yeah, pretty you know, much. Again, like, it's, like you say, it's not a good plot game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're thinking very three-dimensional. Yeah, like even the fucking Trade Federation had a better blockade. <laughs> <laughs> the Trade Federation were a bunch of cronies for a Sith Lord and <laughs> didn't know anything. <laughs> Although, I've, I've heard some things about the Trade Federation actually being kind of smart in the Clone Wars ca- uh, cartoon, at the least. It's complicated. And and then, and then they immediately regress to being like, oh, uh, the, the Sith Lord says he's going to he's going to send his apprentice to take care of us. Yay, we're getting our reward. Oh no, it's a lightsaber in my guts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like I would it, not call them intelligent in the Clone Wars cartoons. They're just maybe more competent at the least than they are. I in guess the prequels. <laughs> it's. Especially with how heavy-handed uh, Palpatine has its sound, like, where Palpatine's straight up telling them, like, oh yeah, you're gonna be taken care of, as in you're gonna be killed, not you're gonna be taken care of, and they just don't get it. <laughs> the Star Wars economy and galactic system is very dumb, and I don't want to deep dive on it, because we're already an hour in, <laughs> but... Let me simply say that any competence the Trade Federation may appear to have in the Clone Wars cartoon is explicitly and only because the Republic is just designed terribly. <laughs> They're not good at it. There's just a loophole that they can fit into. <laughs> is there is there like any explanation to that? Like did like an ancient like did an older like Sith help design it to make it be fucked, to make it easier for them to take over later on or something? No, it's just stupid and bad. Okay, it's just bad writing. Okay, you're right. It's just George Lucas. Okay. It's just a okay. bad government system. Um, yeah. So, um, do 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 do. Uh, bad blockade Shira. stealth ship. We already talked more about Star Wars than Shira. Yep. Uh, so Glimmer talks here a little bit about how frustrated she is that she can't teleport them past the blockade. But since she doesn't have any magic in space, she's helpless, and space hates her, and she's mad about it, and. Entrapta is very clearly fed up with this. Like, the expression on her face is she is immediately planning <laughs> to murder this teenager. I can only assume yeah, Glimmer has like, been talking about this nonstop for the past few days. <laughs> like, I, I'd forgotten about this bit until you sent me the screenshot, considering I watched this episode, like, a month ago, <laughs> to be fair. So it's like, yeah, it's like, Entrapta's just like, God, just let her shut up. I've never had any magic myself. I don't see me pitching a moment about it. <laughs> and I get it. Like, Entrapta's a 30-year-old woman trapped on a ship full of teenagers. <laughs> also true. Also true. We, I, I guess we also, I guess we don't know how old Ron Hordak is, but considering he's a clone, he's probably, like, two years old or something. If that. At best, yeah. So, like, she is by far the oldest one here by almost double any of their ages. Yeah, there's just so much hormones going on in this ship. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, so... The, the Adora basically plans that they're gonna smash right through the blockade. Her, her idea, I guess, is that if they go fast enough, then the blockade can't stop them. And Catra points out, very rightly, I might add, that this is a terrible idea, and I do feel the need to remind y'all how Adora did all of the strategic planning for the Rebellion, so, uh, <laughs> this answers a, a few lot. questions. Yeah, 
Like how most of them are fucking gone by this point. <laughs> but yeah, um, we also get a pretty healthy dose of... Like, it's never called out, but Catra has some pretty extreme PTSD in this episode. She is very worried that they're going to get caught and that she'll get primed again. And it, it freaks her out big time. And she, mm. she does offer a little bit of her expertise here, essentially saying that... You know, basically every time she wanted them to do something, she pointed them at a target and got them to charge him blindly without a plan, and they always fell for it. And this gets them started arguing about who won what and who beat who, and it, it's just all really pointless. But eventually, uh, Bo is the one who breaks into this to back Catra up, uh, because if they're expected, they can't go in blind. He does ask her if Prime has some sort of weakness, and she says that she doesn't have that information because Prime wouldn't tell it to her. Which to me sounds weird because if Prime is a hive mind, you would think that she would just have gotten the download. Yeah, like considering that she was like hooked up to that too. It's like yeah, she was Prime, so you would think. But yeah, was it was it just like a weird like? Did, did Prime have a special firewall put up just for Catra or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hive mind security <laughs> clearance. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, sorry, uh, you're 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 not a you're not a horde Prime clone. Sorry, you don't get this. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You're 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 a tabaxi. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe she would have gotten it eventually. Turn. She just hadn't finished the downloading yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's like here's your problem, Catcher. You're on Wi-Fi. You gotta hook up to Ethernet. Good luck, But yeah. So when they mention Prime's weakness, Wrong Hordak just sort of pops up, and he does have the security clearance, but he refuses to talk about it. So he just. He does the thing that people in cartoons do, where they refuse to talk about something, and in doing so, explicitly tell you what they're not allowed to talk about. Yeah. So. He... Very, very much caught mid-kill, and is trying to not get ejected here. Yeah. <laughs> so he tells them that Prime's weakness is something called Critus, it, essentially by denying that Critus exists. Which is enough to trigger something in Catra's memory, though, so she's able to confirm that it's a planet. And with this information, Entrapta searches for it in Space Google. And there's a little bit of a weird scene here because the, the data is here in the databanks, but it's locked and needs an administrator override, which essentially is just Adora walking forward and saying, show us this information. It's like 12 seconds <laughs> and it's not an obstacle. It's just a thing yeah, that it's, happens. Yeah, it's, it's like one of, the, one of those like multiple little moments in the show where you're like, they had to just kill 10 seconds. <laughs> we're like, we need to add something in here. We're just short on time. Yeah. Uh, so with the console unlocked, though, they find the coordinates, and it's pretty close to here. Uh, Ron Hordak insists that it can't be close to here because Prime destroyed the planets, but the others figure that there must be something there he doesn't want people to know about and set their course. And here we get our credits. Um, so there's some stuff that's different here. Uh, just a couple little touches. Uh, there's a scene in the credits where Katra and she are fighting, and they, like, clash their weapons, and there's a big light thing, and they you know, back off. And in this scene, uh, Katra is now smiling. They're, they're sparring, they're friends. So she's not evil anymore. You can tell because of that. But the other thing that is neat is that everyone who got uh, prime chipped is now on the villains scene instead of the heroes page. So that's cool. And yeah, they, they fully removed them from the group shot and like made Natasha and Seahawk pissed and yeah, became yeah. very sad. <laughs> yeah, they, Perfuma has some very serious anxiety going on in this episode, and that is very clear in the credits. They put that all on yeah. her face. It's like Frosta and Bo and She-Ra are all just totally normal. They didn't change their faces at all, but 
Yeah. Poor Perfuma is over here just stewing in her emotions. <laughs> but yeah, so just neat that they're changing stuff throughout the uh throughout it, the- Yeah, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like it's uh, amusing that they do such lengths to do that for just even just potentially a few episodes. And meanwhile, uh, poor Willow never got her new hair yeah. style reflected in the season two opening. Especially for just such small changes, right? Like, the only thing yeah. that changes in the Catra and Adora fighting scene is that Catra is smiling now. It's just her expression. <laughs> it's also because they, like, they kind of like step back from each other a little bit less severely than like Adora like jumping backwards more or less. I guess, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's close and it's like close enough that it's like something you really wouldn't notice if you just keep skipping the credits or something. Yeah. But it's like yeah, it's like it's close enough that but it's like again for the fact that we only are at like. Well, as of this episode, I guess, a total of six episodes between now and the end of the show for them to be making changes to the intro is like, this is a little excessive, I guess, but I guess you had the Netflix money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so let's see. After the credits, uh, you know, everyone's landed on the planet and everyone's out. They all have custom spacesuits now, so I guess Entrapped has been making more of those. And there's... Yeah, she has the materials to make more spacesuits, but didn't have any materials to make uh, Katra a shirt last yep. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also took the time to make sure that uh, Katra has uh, like cat ears on hers, but her cat ears are on the sides. Like, yeah. her normal ears are on the sides of her head where people's ears are and not the top of her head like a cat would be. Mm-hmm. And the helmet doesn't accomplish anything to accommodate her ears <laughs> no yes her head would absolutely not fit in that helmet i have a, no. a note about that later <laughs> also also she doesn't bother to have like her tail pressurized so her tail would definitely freeze and break off in the vacuum of space well that's the thing right because her tail is in the suit that's not her normal fur tail but like oh this... i thought it was her normal fur tail Nah, it's a darker color so i'm assuming uh... i am assuming she did not just get a tail dye job for this mission <laughs> But yeah, it's like so skin tight that you can see the individual hairs when her tail pops up. It's so weird. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what Entrapta is doing with these suits, but it's it's really freaky. Um, yeah, so they all have their suits and there's a crashed Prime ship here. So they know that Prime used to be here, but he's definitely not now. And they all head down into the ruins where they find an upload port, so Entrapta gets to work hooking Ronghordak up to look for information. And she also figures out that the atmosphere is safe, at which point she just yeets her helmet into the abyss. <laughs> so, I hope you don't need to spacewalk again, because you're not getting that back. <laughs> yep. And the others do follow suit, they take their helmets off, except for Catra, who points out that Entrapta has been consistently wrong enough to make her suspicious about breathing this planet's atmosphere. But Bo just starts teasing her about how cute her helmet's fake ears are, and she rips it off in frustration. And when I say rips it off, I mean she cannot get it off, and literally brings her leg up behind her head so she can kick the helmet off. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, she is a mug, so she just has uh, really good acrobatics. Yeah, it's, it's very much a move that a cat would do, but it's not a move that a humanoid cat should be doing. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't uh, worry about how those bones work in her. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Entrapta just... She gets a signal or something on her... Um, 
I guess they just call them pads in this show. I can't remember what the word is. But uh, yeah, she's she's picked up a heat signature because there is something alive here on this planet. And this just really sets Wrong Hordok off because Prime destroyed all life on this planet when he destroyed the planet. So there can't be life here because there isn't a planet here. It's just basic logic. So he's he's just in all kinds of circles here. But the others decide that they need to find this person because clearly something chased Prime off. And Entrapta downloads a map of the ship schematics so she can guide them remotely. I have no idea where she gets this map from. I guess there's just a database of Prime ship schematics somewhere. Uh, they all head off into the ruin, but not before pausing so Catra can complain about this and how dumb it is. But Bo reminds her that basically this whole thing was her idea since she was the one who convinced them not to ram the blockade, and then they start teasing her again and frog marching her around and singing about how it's her first mission and... I don't know if this is just them being malicious, or if it's space madness, or what, but Bo and Glimmer are just entirely too hard on Catra in this episode. Like, Yeah, I, I think part of it is just, like, they're just excited that she's, like, having a mission with them or something, and they're, but they are just taking it a bit too far. Yeah, it's... I don't know how to... I get that they have a history, right? I understand that they have hidden enemies, but this is just super weird. She just got unborked. Give her some space, people. Yeah, like she she was literally uh, had a chip in her back of her like neck like hours ago. <laughs> she has tried to kill you multiple times. Do not keep commenting on how cute she is. Also, also that, yeah, like maybe don't tempt fate with the fact that she's now on your side. Yes, she is on your side now because it is better than the alternative. Do not make your side worse. <laughs> I mean, hey, to be fair, it's uh, it's at least a little bit better here than the following episode where a character will just straight or punch her in the jaw. <laughs> yeah. Well, <I laughs> to be fair, a little bit justified because they don't know. Yeah, better, but, but I kind of feel like on some level she expects that. And that's not to say it's good, but I, Catra is very much the kind of person who feels like she should be punished for the kinds of things she did wrong. And yeah. so it, like walking into the rebellion she probably expects to get attacked kind of a lot and that's that is what it is it's her own you know problems but this this sort of teasing is just way too much for her she cannot handle it and it's very clear that she can't but Bo keeps pushing so i hate this <laughs> yeah but either way um yeah, we we cut back to Etheria, where we see the remains of the rebel camp. It, it's been ruined, and here Seahawk finds a doll of Mermista that he just sort of mournfully contemplates for a moment, because that's our shorthand for people being sad, is finding dolls <laughs> of princesses. And <laughs> To be fair, this happened twice now. Yep. And uh, if I had if I had a dime for every time a character found a doll of another character and was sad about it, I have two dimes, which is weird that it's happened twice and it's not a lot of money, but hey, it happened twice. Uh, do we count I, the time I, where the Shira doll appeared again to show us that the child was dead? <laughs> no, I feel like that's the first point that counts because the, the first time it was just she dropped it and Adora saw it and was just like, "Here you go." Well, it wasn't like she, I guess, it wasn't yeah. Adora looking at it. It wasn't like her look. Well, I guess she was kind of looking. Yeah, at it. Yeah, I mean that was the thing, she right? Because she was. Okay, so three times. I have three times. Hooray! <laughs> okay, yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, so we get a little group here. This is Swiftwind, Seahawk, Natasha, Frosta, and Perfuma. They are the only ones left in the Rebellion. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, the only, only, only named characters get to survive. Yep. 
And there's some rustling in the bushes as Castaspella pops out, and after a quick neck check, uh, Perfuma says that they need to take off because the enemy knows that they're here and could be back any moment. Which brings me to my main question, which is, why are you here? You know yeah. that the enemy knows where your hideout is. Do not go <laughs> back there. <laughs> yeah. Also, isn't this like only like maybe the fourth time that Casapilla has even shown up in this fucking show? <laughs> uh, yes, I believe that is correct. Because it's like her introduction back in season one, the the flashback episode with uh, Shadow Weaver. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, coronation, the coronation, and now, now, <laughs> where's Castaspella been all this fucking time? <laughs> I mean, I guess at Mysticor, but like Mysticor seems fucked at this point too, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, so Perfumus suggests that they go to Mysticor since it's hidden, but Shadow Weaver arrives just to be a buzzkill because that is her job, and says that since Prime has Micah now, that they have Mysticor because Micah would know how to get in, and that's fair and valid, but. I guess Castispella has just been hanging out there this entire time and just happens to leave right when Prime figured out how to get in. I don't know. It's... Like I, I, I guess no. Well, no, because we saw some of the the maid, the sorcerers from Mysticor helping to keep their uh, encampment hidden back in. That's true. Yeah. Five. So I feel like more just like it was still hidden, just like latently or something, and like all the sorcerers left it to help the rebellion out. Because, you know, Casasbella is uh, the aunt of Glimmer and all. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like she was like, yeah, let's go help them. This way we have consolidated forces. And I feel like pretty much every other sorcerer has just also been uh, assumed to our control at this point besides her. Yeah. But Mystic, but Mystic Horror basically has just like kept going on invisible. <laughs> but now that, you know, Micah knows where it is and how to get in. So it's like, well, that place is compromised. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But it's still a case of like, I guess, implied Cassis Bella has just been around, but just not shown. I <laughs> so guess, but I hate fucked. it. <laughs> Especially because we didn't see her escape last time with the others on, Sof- on Swifty. Yeah, well, so she wasn't on then. that mission, so. Uh, yeah um so cast us, I, meant, uh, I meant i meant when they get i meant when they um, once uh the camp was starting to get uh borgs basically at that point when they, uh, when like okay yeah when uh frosta and uh natasa escaped on him gotcha um yeah so casta she she says they have to go fight because she lost her brother once she won't do it again and that's valid in a way but you're kind of in a bad situation, hon. You gotta read the room. Uh, Perfuma just really wants to get her crew out. She is extremely panicky and, frankly, has the right to be. She was in that club when things went down, and it was a lot. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, this this poor girl has an anxiety disorder, and it's really gotten worse now that they're not just fighting the regular horde. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, kind of comes with the territory of being trans, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so they... they they're essentially getting ready to go, but Shadow Weaver stops Castaspella, saying that, you know, if she really wants to help Micah, then they have to go on a solo sorceress adventure, because she's got a plan and the princesses don't, so uh, Casta goes with her, telling her that she will kill Shadow Weaver if she has to, which is very funny. Uh, not a chance, Casta, you would be paced in seconds. Just don't even. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, Shadow Weaver doesn't have magic. She has potions, and that's it. <laughs> which I guess are kind of magic, but not, like, blasty magic. Uh, it's Shadow Weaver is weird and complicated, but I'm fairly sure she's still powered up from the vampire ritual back in the day. So, well, I, I mean, I don't know, because like we when we when we she first showed up in uh, 
Sprite Moon, she was like just fully dying and all, and it's like I feel like if she was still powerful, that she could have stopped that. Well, she doesn't have healing magic, so. <laughs> True, but like Adora healed her, and we haven't seen her shooting around a bunch of shadow magic since. Well, yes, because she's been uh, playing quiet. I mean, you know, she's joined the rebellion. She's not gonna. The more evil she is, the more likely they are to throw her out. You know what I mean? <laughs> This this is her classic mind manipulation play. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I don't know. I guess we don't have confirms that she still has her powers, but... We know that she doesn't have the red or the black garnet powers, and given that the black garnet does not give you shadow powers, that is enough evidence to yeah. me that she still has her magic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she got her shadow powers by doing that whole thing with Micah back in the day. Exactly, when she ate the other wizards. But, yeah. So. yeah, as you do. Some, you gotta get shadow powers somehow. You gotta do a little vor yeah. every once in a while. So I fully believe that she still has those abilities. She's just not using them because that would be too much of a giveaway. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Gotta be, gotta be real, never thought I'd bring up vor on the podcast, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I mean, what was it, half an hour ago that I asked you not to talk about Bad Dragon? It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like there those are unrelated things, though, to be fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> those are unrelated things, to be fair. They are in the same genre of thing. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. But uh, yeah, um, so back in the ship, uh, the, the crew encounters just a dead end, and Entrapta tells him there's supposed to be a door there. It's on the schematics, and schematics are never wrong. It couldn't possibly be that someone did some, you know, back-end modification on this thing. Uh, Catra notices something sort of darting around in the shadows, and she's she's freaking out a bit. She's not really in the adventuring mood, especially after everything she's been through, but... Uh, her freakout is not nearly as bad as Wrong Hordax because he's discovered in the logs that Prime actually retreated from this planet, which is just a huge existential problem for him since Prime is his god emperor of humanity. Um, while he's just clogging up the comms crying, Catra uses her claws to slash uh, like a four foot hole in six inches of solid steel, and I just. What is even going on here? <laughs> Like I said, she's a monk. She has really good, really strong unarmed attacks. I don't care if you're a monk. That's not how claws work. <laughs> you can't cut through six inches of steel with your claws that are half an inch long. It's just physics. <laughs> You'd have to spend at least half an hour working on that, but no. Um... I mean, her claws are treated as magical weapons. This door doesn't have any uh, magic resistance. Again, it doesn't matter. It's just, like, magic weapons do not just push through normal stuff like butter. You still have to deal damage and overcome damage resistance. Yeah, she, she that 20. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm worrying about it. This is not how stuff works. <laughs> but Not 20. Not 20. They explain everything. <laughs> Behind the door, there's, there's just all this weird sort of growth, I guess. It, it looks almost like an algae, but Bo will reveal to us that this is a mineral that is somehow growing inside the ship. But uh, the thing that bothers me more than that is that the atmosphere in here is just full of these little glowing, sparkly par particles. 
And uh, no one comments on this and puts or puts their helmets back on. It's kind of a disaster. <laughs> so yeah, like no, you see those you see those things playing on. You have to be like, all right, the helmet's on immediately. Yes, you cannot just assume that it's safe to breathe in here, especially if there's weird growing minerals. Like this is this is a fungal situation. You can't do this. But. I don't know. Glimmer is a little out of it here because something just feels super weird. She can't quite put her finger on it, but she doesn't like how this place feels. And they they call into Entrapta, who tells them that the heat signature is on the next level down. So they all head out as Rong Hordak spends more time sobbing over the comms because he's nothing if he isn't an exalted brother of the Prime. Which, I mean, yeah, yeah, the Prime Knife, we've all seen it. Um, in the spire, Catra sneezes when one of the glowy particles, like, lands on her nose, and instead of any commentary whatsoever on the fact that these glowy particles are here and cause physical reactions, Bo just starts making fun of her for her sneeze and how cute she is. Again, he's just being so insufferable. To the point where she physically lunges at him. She is trying to kill him again. <laughs> yep. But, uh... This is cut short because uh, she touches the wall and her hand just kind of goes straight through it and it starts to pull her in like quicksand. The others pull her out, which then activates the spike traps. This place is just a nightmare. <laughs> I say spike traps, but they're like shooting out of every wall from every angle. It's They're less spike traps and more a quarter of death. Um... Back on Etheria, Castaspella is, like, struggling to keep up with Shadow Weaver in the woods. This, again, I think this is just to fill time, because she has to keep stopping and untangling her clothes from the underbrush. It does make sense a little bit in that she's been in the fancy city her whole life and never would have had to dress for the wilds, but also it's kind of pointless in the scene. So they argue a little bit, and what it comes down to is that Castaspella thinks Shadow Weaver can mind control people, and so she's following her because she figures Shadow Weaver is the expert on stopping mind control. Uh, <laughs> a lot of questions here. Just because she knows how to mind control doesn't mean she knows how to stop it. <laughs> well, that, but also, if you really thought that Shadow Weaver could use actual mind control, you just let her walk around the castle freely? You let her be a guest in your castle with no oversight or <laughs> restraint or anything? She's part of the horde. And if she can mind control people, you gotta keep a bigger eye on her. <laughs> They're just so bad at upsec and... I don't know. But anyway, Shadow Weaver claims she can't do that, so I guess it's a moot point, but... If they thought she could, they should have done better. Uh, her plan is basically, because Micah is, like, the strongest sorcerer ever, so they have to make themselves even stronger so they can fight him on an even plane. And um, we're going to cut back now to the Spire, which is what they're calling this Prime Ship. I don't know if that's the name of the ship or if that's, like, the style of ship. Either way. But uh, the crew find themselves in this just, like, big, weird, empty room, and everyone is freaking out a little bit. It's like... Oh, you know, it is probably the kind of ship because remember the the ones that we joked about being ripped for the planet's pleasure? Yeah, yeah. Like in the, the in giant metal space sticks, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah th those probably are spires because they're big metal space sticks. Yeah, that's, so that's probably what this was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, this room is like... I, I don't know how to describe it exactly. It is essentially just an empty room 
but the lighting and the way it sort of vibrates a little bit gives it that impression of like a I want to say like an early 1950s horror movie where the room is empty but its atmosphere is what freaks you out and uh, no one likes this so Entrapta calls them and tells them to go through the door on the left which it turns out is mostly just an endless tunnel so while they're walking forever Entrapta calls back to reveal that uh, this was actually a first one's colony uh, she found it in the reports uh, it was basically like Etheria but uh, the thing is whatever was here chased Prime off and he wiped it from their records like she doesn't have a lot of details just that there used to be people here and she also tells them that this is the first time since they talked since uh, the last floor so whatever it was that told them to go through that door wasn't her and she didn't know about it uh <laughs> they're, they're trying to do a horror movie here it doesn't get super in-depth because nah. it's a cartoon but even for a kid's horror pastiche they don't go very deep this is more about Catra's mental state than it is horror movies. They're just like using the language to portray it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she is. Yeah, this, this, this ain't hallucinations and dead space level of uh, horror fucked up stuff. Yeah. This is like. I don't know. This is like the first 30 minutes of Event Horizon before stuff breaks bad. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Catra is extremely scared now. She She does not want to be here. And she starts to say that they need to get out of here. But uh, Entrapta then points out that the heat signature is directly behind them. So they turn around to find that there is a creature there that wasn't there before. None of them saw it show up. It's kind of, it's like humanoid shaped, but its head is on fire. It's kind of like a cross between the Slender Man and the Ghost Rider. <laughs> um, it can, uh, if you've played Risk of Rain, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the big, like, uh, energy, like, glowing, like, children. Like, I think they're, like, parents, I think they're called. In that game, and then like uh, one of the boss you fight is like grandparents. It reminds me of that because it's like a weird, like nebulous kind of like person, like, huh. like he's like more like see through kind of like person, kind of similar to this. Oh yeah, no, I'm not familiar with that game, but just looking at the image, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So Katra, because she's already on edge, and because she's not doing well. The instant she sees this thing, she, like, shoves everyone else out of the way so she can straight up tackle it. And then something happens, and I don't know what it is. They they either phase through the floor or teleport. It's super unclear. Just, they vanish. And uh, they land in a room full of more of that green mineral growth. So, I guess it's a transportation power, whatever it is. Um, and now that they're alone, this, this humanoid thing just turns into what's basically a space lion it's it's got like a shadowy body with a sort of a fiery mane and cat- and, and and then a little 13 year old boy and his uh gay space rock uh mom slash sister has come out and tried to tame the, the space lion <laughs> well i mean you know if anyone has experience with uh rebellions yeah the gay space rocks would yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so Katra basically just sits here and does not even try to protect herself from this monster that is, like, roaring in her face. She just asks Adora on the comms to hurry up and come get her, which I think, frankly, this more than anything is a sign of how poorly she's doing, because, like, this is yeah. not Katra at all. But, uh, the, the, this is just a weird thing. Don't mind me, I'm complaining about every little bit because that's what we do on this show. But she does not actually tell Adora where she is, and, 
they don't know where she is because to them she just vanished. So, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they run through the hallway and the spike traps trigger again, but this time Glimmer notices something that's a little weird about them and starts poking at them. It turns out that these spikes are illusions. So I guess they were just not paying attention to the fact that they didn't get touched or assumed they were super good at dodging or something. But uh, they're not just illusions, they're magic illusions. So that means that there is magic on this planet. Um, in the hold, the lion thing is just, like, circling Catra, growling and roaring, and then she sneezes, which seems to mollify it a little bit for some reason. It turns into a smaller but still big cat kind of form, a little more like a panther, and it also sneezes. Uh, the others arrive, falling through the ceiling somehow? That is absolutely not Glimmer's teleport magic, so I don't know what they're doing here. But they find her just sort of petting this thing on the head and Bo immediately starts in again on how cute this is and I just, my dude there is a monster here and yeah, she is protecting read, you. Stop it. Please read the room, yeah. What is wrong with you? I, God. He, it's gotta be space madness. There's no other reason for this. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, they've been in space for like a month and a half by this point, considering we haven't uh, been going and continuing to get them back home yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this this upsets Catra, obviously, and when she yells, the cat goes more liony again and starts roaring. And at this point, Catra apologizes for getting angry and says that it's something that she's trying to work on, which makes Adora very happy because, you know, it's... Her GF is finally trying for some personal growth. It's, yeah, like a, she's Ador, been... <laughs> Adora's like Adora's so really, and she's like, "Yes, fucking shut up." <laughs> this is what Adora has <laughs> wanted reaction. since literally episode one. But... Yeah, <laughs> but still, like she can't help herself by being like, "Oh, I'm feeling like yeah, shut up, please." <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that this cat is like responding to Catra's emotions, and so if she stays calm and happy, it stays friendly. So. That tells me that maybe she's not working on her anger issues so much as just keeping herself chill so it doesn't eat her, but either way. Um, She sneezes again, and it... So this last time it sneezed also, but this time it is just literally the same sound file. It copies her exactly. And then it starts sort of... It shrinks down into... I would say it's like a Scottish wildcat size. It's not a house cat, but it's... Certainly not a big cat at all. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like almost like the size of like a palace cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like it's 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 large and poofy compared to like a normal sized house cat. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like pretty much like oh yeah, but this is still like a predatory cat. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like one of the Norwegian skog cotton. That's not sure what kind that is. <laughs> um, let me drop a picture in the chat. These. The, they're beautiful, fluffy cats, uh, native to Norway. They were thought of as, like, fey creatures because of how ridiculous they are. <laughs> they are technically domestic house cats, but, like, look at that thing. <laughs> well, it's a big kitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love these guys. I would love to have one, but I don't think that's going to happen because they are ridiculously expensive on account of being a purebred cat. Also is like a four foot long cat. (laughs) So that's better for cuddles. 
Yeah, but also a little intimidating, to be to be honest. <laughs> Considering how often I could get intimidated by my roommate's cats with just one of them, like, just, like, sitting on the floor to, into the kitchen. Like, like, right there at the entranceway, where it's like, is it okay for me to try to step over this cat? Is she gonna see that as aggressive and, a, like, smack at me or something? I guess I'll just try to scoot slightly, slowly past her. What's to be intimidated by? They just play. <laughs> yeah, but Blue is also, like, she's, like, 13 years old. Blue is just not. She's she's old and grumpy. I guess. Uh, yeah. Um. So I guess seeing it shrink, Adora realizes that this is a magical creature, and she sort of introduces herself as also a magical creature, which I guess gets it on the same team. And it's it's like reacts happily for a second and like licks her face, and then it starts just making noises as Katra, which she apparently hears as actual speech. So I guess they're speaking Tabaxi language. I super uh, no, do not know what the deal is here. There, there's actually not a Tabaxi language. There's no equivalent of that. It's like more just like Tabaxi get like common plus whatever language they the, the player wants. Now it specifically says you can put no, in whatever see, backstory language you want to. So true, I guess true. But like no, this is really just that like Catra uh, has been saving up a bunch of XP and hasn't leveled up, and she immediately took three levels of Ranger to get Beastkeeper Enclave. Even Beastkeepers yeah. can't talk to their animals unless they cast the spell. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, hey, she knows uh, Speak of Animals now, too. <laughs> Monk Ranger actually makes a, a good amount of sense. You still need Dex and Wisdom for a lot of stuff, so it tracks. Either way, I don't understand why this is what's happening. And Well, yeah, no. I need to be, like... The thing is, is that... I'm, this creature has already demonstrated that it has the ability to perfectly replicate human speech and create new sentences when it was pretending to be Entrapta. So I don't know why it's not just talking to them. <laughs> but either way, um, Bo theorizes that it must have imprinted on her, which is not really a thing, but it means that it trusts hers. And she's not happy about that because everything around these people is so weird and she hates it. But uh, she relays what it's saying, and this cat's name is Milog, and it has been here on this planet alone for, like, a long time. See, the, the, uh, the first ones were here because they were mining the planet's magical energy, and the, they, like, took too much and just burned out part of the planet. At which point Prime showed up and tried to conquer the place, but the, uh, the magic was just too much for him. He couldn't use it or understand it and Milog chase him away but it is now the last of its kind uh worth noting here Milog also shapeshifts to become prime which uh Katra does not like and it keys in on this immediately and stops being prime so that's nice at least <laughs> um Adora just sort of kneels down and invites it to come along since Etheria is the only place they know of that still has magic and Milog seems super into this, and so she calls into Entrapta, who has apparently managed to radicalize Ron Hordak in the last ten minutes. He's now calling <laughs> for a galactic revolution and uh, the overthrow of Prime, so cool. I yeah, really he wish... He finally, he finally wised up to the horrors of capitalism, and now he's gone full-on uh, anti-fascist. Yeah, I don't know what playbook Entrapta used here, but I need a copy of it, because that's it's really good. Um... <laughs> They still don't know how to get back to Etheria, since they didn't find anything special here, but Catra does have a plan, so hopefully that'll work. Um, 
On Etheria, Castaspella is just fed up with Shadow Weaver and says that she's sick of Shadow Weaver wanting more power and that uh, SW never cared about anything but herself. And just as she's about to start a fight, they find themselves in a grove of giant boars who are just kind of sleeping. Um, Shadow Weaver says that the First Ones lied about everything and that they didn't make the planet stronger with their technology. They, they weakened it by stealing the magic. And she kind of claims that Etheria is alive... And that if they can wake the planet up, they can set it free and use it against Prime, which, uh, I don't know how true this is, but if she's right, and if the planet is alive, this seems like a super bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Especially because, like, you know it's inside the planet, and it's a death laser. Yeah, and if the death laser fires, the planet explodes, so... <laughs> um, oh, wait, Oh, wait, I don't I don't remember that part. Is it always been a thing that if the death laser fires that the planet blows up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well? That's that's why um they had to fight so hard to not fire the death laser. Like it Oh, but I thought that was like I thought it was just that everybody on the planet dies, not the whole planet blows. Now, way back in the day when it was Mara, it would not have but because the power has been building so long, it would just create a backfire effect. Ah, uh, I see. The planet's, the planet's no fab. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is an episode, isn't it? <laughs> uh, what do you think of no fat bad dragon for the episode title? <laughs> I apologize for nothing, listeners. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's weird, but that's that's what she says. And Casta kind of comes to the conclusion that Shadow Weaver just wants to wake Etheria up and steal its power for herself, which is a valid assumption given that this is Shadow Weaver, but uh, she claims that she just wants to save Micah because she owes him. And, like, whether that's true or not, what she wants from Castaspella is to, like, stop her from claiming this power if she goes too far. It is super a trick, but she's pretending to be nice. Um, back on Darla, uh, the team are approaching the blockade, and they still don't really know what they're doing, because Catra has not explained anything, which I guess is fair. They've put her through enough by this point. But, uh, yeah, Milog just sort of turns invisible and then into a goo and envelops the ship. It's very weird. But uh, I guess it's enough to keep them off Prime sensors, so they just fly through the blockade at top speed where they arrive in Etheria. Um, despite this being her plan, Catra was pretty nervous about this whole thing, but uh, when it's over, she finds herself holding hands with Adora, and she gets all indignant about it. It's cute. And then, um, and then Glimmer kisses her, so... <laughs> like, it's a friend yeah. kiss, but it's absolutely not the first <laughs> kiss I would have guessed from the BFS. No. No. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah turn, turns out, turns out all they really need was just somebody to cast passive out trace on them, and then they got past the blockade that doesn't blockade the entire planet. <laughs> uh, Definitely couldn't go from either the ice caps of the planet to at least get in, even if they knew you were flying in. Yeah, yeah. Sound like they? It's not like those ships could fly around the entire planet that quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not super sure where Catra got this idea because, like. We know that Milog can be invisible, and we know that it can shapeshift, and that's fine. But do we know that it can survive in space? Because <laughs> it does have to go outside the ship to do this. Uh, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> if Rotten Hordak can survive in the vacuum of space, seemingly, then uh, yeah, I guess the cat can. <laughs> yeah, but Rotten Hordak is like a cyborg. 
So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know. Hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, kids show. Kids show. Don't worry about it. I'm. I was. I also was the kid there watching Jimmy fucking Neutron at like age twelve, being like, "How come none of them have the fucking like radiation canopy or whatever it would have to be called?" <laughs> I'm going based on again. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm using Pikmin terminology for what Captain Olimar's uh, ship's like glass thing is called to make sure he doesn't just suffocate like die in the vacuum of space because <laughs> yeah. i don't know if it's called a radiation canopy or not but whatever you know what i'm talking yeah. about but it's like they they like this incredibly smart genius boy who can turn a bunch of amusement park rides into spaceships doesn't consider the fact that nobody of his friends can breathe in the vacuum of space <laughs> and does not accommodate for that <laughs> <laughs> so you know <laughs> A Jimmy Neutron works on Power definitely. Rangers rules. There's oxygen in space. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the episode here. After Glimmer kisses Catra on the cheek, uh, Bo and Glimmer just, like, pin her in a group hug, which she does not protest as much about as she used to. Like, she claims to hate it, but Milog's cool, so clearly she's not as mad as she has been most of the episode. And I don't know if that's a good thing, because they definitely are still invading her personal space without any yeah, consent. They're not asking, yep, not, a, not asking about if that hug is okay. Yeah, or the kiss. So, just like... Or that. Don't, I mean, they all probably know at this point that Catra's a lesbian, right? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm glad she's getting more comfortable, but... Just given the optics of the situation, I don't like that she's being worn down about people saying stuff and doing things to her she doesn't like. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, uh, the, the back door of the ship opens, and they are back on Etheria at last, and we get closing credits. So, yes. Yep. That is my episode. I feel... Sadly, I feel like I didn't have as much input on that one, but also my notes are kind of short for it. And like I said, I watched that episode like a month ago, and I didn't watch it again. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I did. I didn't have time. But at the same time, it's like it's it's again. It's like similar to like the Alas episode we just covered last week. It's kind of like a setup episode in the sense of just like yeah, here's how we get back, and I guess also we now know that Horrid Prime doesn't have any resistance stat. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's one of the armored units in Fire Emblem that has like high physical defense but no magic defense and therefore gets dunked on by any mage all the time. <laughs> uh. He also doesn't have absorb elements so, or nor mental spell resistance because we have to get in mandatory D and D five E jokes. Yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, he's not a magic guy, so I guess, yeah, he wouldn't have uh, that minor spell at all anyway. Yeah, he has no idea what to do with magic. It's... Nah. Like, he's pursuing Etheria pretty aggressively, but the way they make it sound in this episode, it's... They talk like magic is antithetical to him, so you would think that he wouldn't be able to chip magic people, but he's fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. He just doesn't believe in it. He's like, you can show him like uh, fireballs in his face, and he'll be like, "Hey, you got some, you got a little, little flamethrower device in on you." Yeah, that explains it. <laughs> he'd always rationalize being able to like fly and stuff instead. He's like, "Hey, you got, you got like invisible thruster. You're good." <laughs> okay, uh, we should probably just move on to the next episode because again, we're already an hour forty. Yes, I suppose we should. <laughs> yep. Alright, uh, well, episode 9 of season 5 is An Ill Wind, 
And it maybe starts with Adora's group teleporting somewhere else on Etheria, because I, I thought it was they teleport onto Etheria from the ship and just leave the ship floating, but you said the ship landed, so they're teleport somewhere else, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense. Uh, with Ryan Hordak being a bit taken aback by the warmth of a living planet, because he's, I guess, only ever known death his entire life well, was... for all two... For all two years he's been alive. I mean, he came out of the goo pod on that space station, and then he went yep. to Kratos, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's known nothing else. Yep. <laughs> no... Ryan Hordak touched grass, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Adora leads them to the ruins of their camp, and they argue for about whether there's anybody left at all, if they're hiding in Bright Moon or Mysticor, even though, again, they wouldn't know that those places are fucked and mm-hmm. compromised yeah. at this point, I guess. And whether it'd even be safe to look for them, since Katra rightfully mentions that they don't know who among them has been chipped. <laughs> so therefore, they probably shouldn't go looking blindly for anybody that they know. They do find General Juliet's helmet just laying on the ground here, I guess as a symbol that she's gone too, but it's weird. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, I didn't remember her name until you just said it right there. So uh, that's because anyway. it's never <laughs> said in the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but Adora agrees with Katra, saying that they should gather intel first, avoid any traps, rather than just wander around aimlessly looking for anybody that they know. And they go to the side to the nearby town of. I kept miswriting it wrongly here in my notes. I want to look it up real quick <laughs> because I wrote o- Olandia, but it's not Olandia. It's Eralandia. E R E L A N D I. Eralandia. Okay. Yeah, because I'm watching it not on Netflix. I don't have subtitles, so I couldn't see. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, if I mispronounce it, that's because I wrote Orlandia, but I don't think I wrote it anymore. I'll really my notes much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they go there th- because it you know might as well start somewhere in S Townsfolk, and they see it just fully overrun by Prime soldiers. Uh, but we cut over to Prime watching a feed of like a, uh, about a dozen different occupied planets with active rebellions going on. And hey, we were wrong. Those those the three star sisters actually are here on the camera feed, <laughs> leading the charge in one of these planets. We thought they just fucked off or died. <laughs> I don't remember their names. You could not if you put a gun to my head and said name at least one of them. I'd be like, you might as well just pull that trigger. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. If I start you off, do you think you can take it? Uh, I guess we're playing this game now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you the first one. Uh, Tall Star is your freebie. Uh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't, nope. Rip me. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, which are the other ones? Uh, the others are Jewel Star and Starla. <laughs> Right, okay. I was thinking they were all under than Star, so I was wrong about Starla immediately, and Jewel Star, I would not guess based on Tall Star. <laughs> Again, we met those characters like two months ago in real life now at this rate, yep. based on when we did that episode. And again, we did not think they were going to show up <laughs> again. <laughs> You've seen this entire show, and you didn't remember they came back. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, apparently all these rebellions are going off in the name of Shira and the rebellion, and this just makes Prime assured that his plan of using the death laser of Etheria to bring peace to the universe even more correct than he's ever been before. Yeah, I mean, uh, why and- wouldn't you use a Death Star if you've got it? It's not like... <laughs> exactly. If you have the giant murder weapon, you should fire the giant murder weapon, right? Don't, don't do that, actually. <laughs> 
Uh, but he says he needs to figure out a way to use that the Death Laser without Shira to use it, and he has his clone said word to Spinnerella, who's also on the camera feed. Uh, Adora and her, I guess, overall best friend squad, I guess that you can include all of them now at this point. Dude, just the absolute worst disguise check possible of just putting on cloaks and sticking with Ryan Hordak to escape detention, detection. <laughs> they don't do anything else to try to, like, hide their faces or anything. They just have, like, sacks of, like, cloth on them, and that's it. <laughs> and then Ryan Hordak does his worst bluff check ever to pretend to still be an ardent believer in Prime in order to let the others just walk on in. And there's just, like, no explanation needed for why there's people entering this town. Or, like, they, they don't, they're not, like, stopping any of them to, like, get, like, I don't know, ID or verification or whatever to see who these people are. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, okay, go glory to Prime. All right, move along. Move along. Yeah, you would think a hive mind would be better about realizing that they couldn't see out of a specific drone. Yeah, yeah, especially because, like, Ron Hordak says he's not connected to the hive mind anymore ever since, uh, they, ever since Entrapta took him out of that pod or whatever, thinking that he was Hordak, and it's like, nope, the wrong guy, sorry. <laughs> Like, he hasn't been hooked up, so it's like, you figure that, like, they probably have, like, a serial number somewhere printed on their bodies or something that they could just check physically to be like, oh, you're that guy, oh, yeah, you're with the bad guy. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> we, we, gotta, we gotta melt you down and start again with you, buddy. <laughs> but no. <laughs> they just let them all in. Uh, and in chapter then ensures that him that his deception was absolutely flawless, even though it wasn't, and winks at him, which leads to a little discussion where he thinks that facial emotions only reserved for Prime and not the various clones. But he's eventually convinced to try his best, and he does a little anime twinkle winkle, uh, winking at the end. <laughs> Just full on, like, expected him to do, like, the, like, uh, peace sign of a hand and have one of his, like, legs, like, popped up a little bit, being like, yeah, <laughs> doing a Sailor Moon pose or something, but no, not there yet. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to, to interrupt the flow, but the more I think about it, they describe Prime as a hive mind, but I'm not sure he really is. Because as much as he likes to talk about his omnipotence, it doesn't seem to function that way, right? No, you would think that he would immediately be like, wait, here, shit, here they are. Uh, guys, get them. Yeah, like... <laughs> but no. <laughs> if he's everywhere, he should recognize these people on sight. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe he has a range limit or something. Like, maybe he can only really look through the guys of the guys on his ship, necessarily. But, like, if he's, like, off-planet, he can't look at what they're seeing. Well, that's definitely not true, because when they uh, did... I don't remember what the name of that town is. Um, Flutterina's town. He was directly controlling some of the people there, so... Oh, well, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> so, I think... I'd like to propose that it is kind of a hive mind, but it's semi-autonomous. Like, he can tap into it and control it all when he wants to, but most of the time it's yeah, just running it's on auto. <laughs> Yeah, it's not always on. Like he doesn't. He has to like actually choose to like look through some of these eyes, basically. Yeah, it's like um, it's like, again like the Mass Effect thing. He has to assume direct control. He's uh, he doesn't know what's going on all the time. He's running his party members just with the auto AI until he chooses to pause the game and take direct control. It's <laughs> it's a yeah. He's auto battling and fire on them, and then it's like, well, shit, somebody died. I guess I gotta rewind and play this turn myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you would necessarily play auto battle in Fire Emblem, because it's like, what are you here for then? <laughs> like, if you're not going to actually, like, play the turn-based RPG, it's like, well, I guess you're here for, like, the Persona-adjacent stuff in Three Houses, <laughs> but, like, at the same time, that's the only one that really has that. The thing that is really coming to mind is, um, 
and I don't know how common this is, but specifically in uh, some Dungeons and Dragons games like Neverwinter Nights 2, you control your main character, right? And your party just does their AI actions. But if you go into tactical mode, then you can set each of them to do specific things on their next turn. So that's, I think that's what's... <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, most games just, like, let you have full control over a party, yeah. more or less. You'd say that at least. It's not, it's not like uh, Persona 3 back in the day having to deal with uh, frickin' uh, Mitsuru's AI always trying to cast the spell that inflicts charm on enemies when it's like, you have ice magic, these things are weak to ice, why are you not just murdering them? <laughs> why are you wasting your, all your uh, SP on Marin fucking Karen? As <laughs> people joked about that meme. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, the spell, it never winter yeah, nights too, unless you specifically tell the AI that it's allowed to, your spellcasters will not cast spells, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find the Marin fucking Karen thing, but I'll find it later. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we should probably just continue on. Uh, da -da -da. Uh, Adora tries to talk to uh, basically I could just only describe as a fucking toad from Mario Brothers <laughs> and it's a guy with a mushroom head uh, but he just runs off I, I guess like really this entire town is just full of these toads basically more or less because everybody here is like a fungus person yeah this guy is credited specifically as Mushroom Man which made me think he was a, like a real character in the other show but he is absolutely not he's I guess that's just his name <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know. Like, I even tried looking at the shopkeep later on on the wiki, and it doesn't even list the voice actor for her. <laughs> <laughs> didn't matter, I guess. Uh, but yeah, but uh, as he runs off, uh, Milak, who I, again, shows how far I watched the last episode, because I wrote Milak, M-Y-O-L-K, M-Y-L-O-Q in my notes, not Milak. <laughs> Uh, it turns out, yeah, I forgot how that cat's name is spelled because it's been a month. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the cat trip. Yeah, the the illusion cat trips him up to let the others know he isn't chipped at the least. As like, uh, do we know Milak's gender at all? Just because, um, like, gas cat or whatever. Yeah, in the uh, in the previous episode, they referred to it with it its pronouns. I don't know if that's consistent. I don't recall. Uh, it looks like the wiki uses it, it's, so I'm assuming that that's what we're going with for the future. Okay, that's fair. I mean, yeah, it's like, I guess uh, a cat really wouldn't have much of a sense of self to like be like, I use these pronouns because it's a cat. It's sentient, though. It can talk. Uh, I f yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if they use it, it's then yeah, whatever. It doesn't, but yeah. That happens. Listen, uh, I'm not complaining what... about non-binary shapeshifter representation. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, but like, uh, that's really all uh, Milag really does in this episode anyway, so I'm probably not going to come up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Katra remarks that the scared residents are pretty much just really likely to sell them all out rather than help them. Uh, but Bo then goes ahead and tries his best to talk to some townsfolks since he says he's the most normal of them all because he's not a princess. And it's like, why? I guess Katra is like too much of an obvious person just because she was part of the horde, so she can't do it herself, even though she's also not a princess. Uh, the result is basically just being that uh, him finding out that the princes were here recently it did something pretty significant, but nobody's really specifying entirely. <laughs> uh, so, so the group decides to split up with the best friend squad and wrong Hordak in one, and Katra, her kitty cat, and a chapter in the other to go look for the princesses, or if they might still be nearby. I, I gotta point out, why did why did Ron Hordak not go with Entrapta? Like, Entrapta's basically his babysitter at this point. 
Well, that's true, but now that Ron Hordak's been radicalized, he can work on his own a little bit, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but he's still being trusted. He's still not being trusted to go entirely on his own. He's still going with one group or the other. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair, though. Like, even in his new found state, it's like... He's still a baby. Yeah, he... <laughs> I'm not super sure about this, but I'm... I. Th- Okay, I guess this is technically a fan theory, but here we go, analysis. When mm-hmm. they pulled him out of the pod and screwed up his brain, I'm pretty sure that was him being created. I think he's like three weeks old max, so... <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. I'm looking on the wiki, it doesn't list an age for him. <laughs> but I don't think it literally lists a wiki, like an age for anybody on the wiki. Uh, I believe fair, that's I mean, correct, yes. I mean, to be yeah, to be fair, we never get like any like specific about them. It's just best case that we can guess of like, oh, Dora's probably like eighteen, so Ketra's probably the same, more or less. And then like we always figure like Glimmer is like sixteen or so. That's fair, yeah. yeah it, it's weird that we get specified in this a few characters' cases, and it's the characters who are have the opposite <laughs> uh, ages that you would expect. I know, right? In Trapta and and yeah, and Seahawk. Yeah, so <laughs> like. like... Uh, the wiki even list in chapter's birthday being January twenty fourth, so I guess happy belated birthday in chapter. <laughs> I don't know why they specify that and nobody else's. Uh. <laughs> Wait, hang on, do they? Uh, no, it doesn't list a birthday for Adora. But then again, like he was stolen when she was a baby, so maybe she wouldn't know. Well, she absolutely wouldn't know because the civilization that she's from got wiped out. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Catchers is listed as October twenty eighth. Scorpius July 5th. The thing that is freaking me out the most about this is the revelation Fair. that Etheria uses the same 12-month Latin yeah, calendar. Yeah, the, Gregor- the Gregorian calendar, yeah. <laughs> Perfume is March 1st, and I, I think I saw a spoiler here based on the relationship. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> uh, we're almost there. We're getting there. Don't worry well, about yeah. it. Well, yeah. All right. Frost <laughs> uh, is May 7th. Why? Why? Why when they mention stuff like uh, like friendships and alliances, sometimes they list literally every character, and at times with Farasa they just list the resistance. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. Here, here it is. Uh, we missed this October twenty first. I don't know why I'm going through all these, but I am now at this point. I gotta see. <laughs> Seahawk is August fourth. Yeah, I guess it's really just Adora, because Adora wouldn't know. <laughs> but also at the same time, again, why do we only get specifics about Entrapta being 30 in this whole group of, like, 16- to 18-year-old dumbasses? Well, <laughs> even then, we don't have specific age for Entrapta. Like, we know she is somewhere in her 30s, but that's it. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's not specified that she's, like, 30 on the dot. Yeah, no. She's approximately the same age that the creators were when they were making the show, which tells us that she's in her 30s. That's <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. But, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Uh, the the yeah, reason yeah. we got onto this whole point is that I am positing the reason Brong Hordak can't go on his own is because he's literally a baby. <laughs> yeah. He's the most competent baby possible, though, at the least because he can walk and talk and speak, but he doesn't really think for himself as much until recently. <laughs> Uh, yes. Continuing on, uh, Bo's really just annoyed that this is what things have become after everything the princess did for Etheria, with this whole town basically just being anti-princess. 
But then they spot Toad from earlier, uh, pointing them out to some clones. So they dip into a house and leave Ryan Hordak to distract the clones away. Only for the lady shopkeeper there to tell them to get lost. Uh, but they try and say that they're just here to shop instead. And they just do a bad job of trying to pretend to be browsing. <laughs> uh, and during this, Bo tries to talk to her a little bit about not just letting Prime take over. And like she tells them that the princes are about ta- attacking them after Bo tries to get her <laughs> in the town to join the resistance. Because they're just bad at lying and trying to hide <laughs> what they're here for. And, and then Glimmer tries to tell her that they're being controlled against their will, and then, of course, also does it dumb and dramatically veers herself to Adora's annoyance. For once, again, Adora being the sensible one here by being like, we're supposed to be undercover, guys. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, before anything else can happen, uh, Spinnerella just shows up and just starts attacking them all, because I guess somehow Hordak got... Uh, not Hordak, uh, Horde Prime got word that they're there, I guess. <laughs> It's kind of not explained as much just why she shows up here. I guess maybe she's just in town or something, but like, so yeah. I knew that there were like suspicious people around. Maybe, or maybe, Ron, or maybe Ron Hordak did a bad job of getting the other guys to go. Away. Yeah, it's very possible they like, that they yeah, just reported yeah, that there was a weird clone and here. And just be like, yeah, let's see, yeah, let's, let's get her involved because she has magic and we don't. <laughs> Uh, and that Catra and, like, it, well, Catra and the Chopter are basically just, like, hanging out in, like, near a tree, like, tra- uh, Catra's just there in the tree and steals an apple from a person that Entrapta is taking soil samples to see if princes were nearby, but her results would take weeks to come in. <laughs> but then they just happen to see, uh, Spinnerella making wind magic, and they run off to see what's going on, and see Spinnerella making a, just, a, like, a fucking tornado in the middle of town to just dunk on the best friend squad, because they're stuck in her tornado. <laughs> To be uh, fair, I don't think they're really fighting her, but yes. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not because they don't want to hurt her. But it's like they're they're it's like all three of them are just stuck in a tornado, and it's like yeah, they're they're fucked. They're just kind of hanging uh, out though. I mean, Glimmer can teleport; she could get out of this anytime she wanted. <laughs> I mean, she does, but she didn't want to till now for some reason. Uh, she had to wait for the camera to catch up to see the action. Like, <laughs> like, I can't do it yet, guys. Wait, <laughs> the camera's following Catra at the moment. It's not with us. We gotta wait until she gets here. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Glimmer goes and teleports them all out onto the top of the others. Uh, but then Natasa pops in to protect them from being blasted, and then it's just why fight. The wives are fighting. Well, just like the last time we saw them, really. Okay, <laughs> yes, but, I mean... I guess the last two times we saw them, really. <laughs> this is absolutely true, but I can't believe you skipped over Catra's savage burn here. <laughs> because uh, uh, Adora starts talking about, how can we possibly fight them? We can't fight our friends, and... Oh yeah, yeah, and then she's like, "Yeah, it didn't stop you before, uh-huh. uh, fucker." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can't try to get one last Duncan, I guess. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah, eventually the fight between the wives it ends up with Spinnerella more or less is trying to fully impale Natasha with some chunks of wood being thrown at her, but Glimmer forcibly teleports away to the others because I guess. Off screen, I guess she just teleports everybody outside of town and <laughs> came back for Natasha last. Makes sense. Now that she's got unlimited teleports, why wouldn't she, you know? Yeah, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't need spell slots for Misty Step anymore, so might as well just burn that shit. Uh, but back on Horde Prime's ship, uh, actual Hordak is looking at the little first one ship that Entrapped uh, had made him that she left behind when they escaped. But Prime takes him over to the cloning vats because he... Well, I guess these aren't cloning vats. These are, like, holding his old bodies or something like that. Because he remembers having heard something about Etheria while in one of his older bodies. So he has Hordak prep the old body for him to basically just uh, Mega Man.exe jack in so he <laughs> check his old memories. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's gotta, he's gotta uh, send Mega Man into the net to see what's going on and fight some uh, Metools. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't Mega Man little guys with the the helmets and the pickaxes, right? Metools. I think so. I sorry, no Mega Man. <laughs> uh, yep, I'm right, Metool. Metool. I, I feel like uh, they're usually also just called Mets. That's why. I, that's why I was thinking that because they have different names. Also, apparently there's a Metool Co Limited <laughs> in uh, the UK. <laughs> Thanks, Google. <laughs> Uh, yes. I do think it's a little uh, yeah. morbid that he just keeps all his old bodies hanging around, like... Yeah, and they're not, like, full dead, it seems. <laughs> like, like, he, like, uh, like when this one gets, like, prepped for him to jack into it, it seems like it, like, kinda maybe wakes up a little tiny bit, or, like, or at least reacts Yeah, I mean, it definitely does open its eyes and start looking around, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like, I guess when he gets old enough, he's just like, okay, well, uh, time for me to jump into another one, and we'll keep this one on ice, just in case. <laughs> if I need to watch an old YouTube video that I had in my mind back then. Yeah, you would think if he had uh, body-jumping technology, there would be a more efficient way of storing memories. Like, put that on a hard yeah. drive or something. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, he doesn't have that technology for some reason, I guess, to be able to download them. He has to jack in entirely. Uh, but in those memories, he learns that the first one saw the new power source on older worlds, and is confused for why they would resort to magic for that in general. And while this is going on, uh, like, I guess as he's just talking, uh, actual Hordak has, uh, some of his, uh, old memories returned to him of his time, uh, like, working in his lab with Entrapped and stuff. And Prime asks him if he's alright, and, you know, he tries to, like, disperse it off, and he eventually just swears that he'll find the truth that the first one's left behind when they all died. Because I don't know how you plan on doing that, my guy, when they died, so I don't know how you could plan on figuring anything out, but sure, go ahead. Well, Adora's still around, so... Yeah, but Adora doesn't have shit! <laughs> no, but if you plug her into the Animus, you can relive the genetic memory of her ancestors. You... I, don't, I don't think that you would get... I don't... I guess. I, I, I thought you were joking about it, having her in one of these vats, and I didn't realize you were talking about Assassin's Creed stuff. I don't think it's tech work. Yeah, like sorry. That, see the memory stuff. I don't think you can see the memories of Adora's parents and grandparents. No, you definitely come out with Prime Tech. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Uh, yes, uh, back with the others, Natasha is annoyed that they took her away because she was apparently tracking Spinnerella for days. And then she just fully throws nets at Catra to ensnare her at the moment she sees her because she's like, Oh, it's a horse archer, I'll protect you guys and stuff. And then they tell her that she's on her side after all. And then she also really tries to murk wrong Hordak because she also knows that they're there too. <laughs> I understand like, oh, that Catra's no, not. He's with us too. Like, she gets got so easily. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's also not fully expecting this, but also, like you said, she probably should. Yeah, you would think she would at least like, be on her guard to get punched. <laughs> yeah, like, the last time she, any of these people saw her, she was actively trying to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you should immediately expect... Like, you should immediately be like, alright, uh, now that we have Natasha here, I immediately take the dodge action, and I will continue to do so until somebody explains. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Walk, I will back up 30 feet and dodge. Well, no, she would need to go 60, because she's a ro- uh, No, wait, no, yeah, no, no, she's a monk. <laughs> yeah, so she can step in the wind. So it's not that she- Yeah, she doesn't have, uh, cunning action, but she has step in the wind, so she can use a bow yeah. action to go more mo- movement. So yeah, she just does that and dodge until you explain, but nobody does, apparently, and she doesn't do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, There's another yeah, thing I'd then... like to comment on in this scene, just real quick. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm remembering wrong, but... 
either they have scaled up the best friend squad or they have made Natasha shorter because they're basically the same size now and she used to be taller than them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, did, I forgot that, yeah. To be fair, again, Natasha and Svenola have shown up like, what, four times ever? Yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much the same amount of appearances as Cassidy's fellow. Yeah, she is still should, taller should than doing... them, just not as much, you know? Yeah. Should I be doing that as a goof instead of translation? <laughs> like, who shows up more in the show overall in the last few, Casaspella or the wives? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would have to go back and like actually like look up all the episodes from which they actually showed up. I mean, when <laughs> go- it comes down based to on it, memory. Like, just based on pure numbers, it's very possible that Milog has more appearances than other <laughs> in, in the uh, overall. I guess Milog is already two for two on episodes. Like, if Milog is in every reviews. episode for the rest of the series yeah. and they aren't, then it's going to win. <laughs> uh, I, f- I feel like the others will probably show up at least once, like probably in like the finale or something. Yeah, but still. But, like, yeah, if 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 Catra's animal companion is always with her, then it's like, yeah, it's like I feel like the cat wins. <laughs> the cat introduced in the last uh six episodes of the show. <laughs> Which gotta say, it's really funny that you said that we were still gonna be introduced to another new character and then it's a cat, voiced by various cats of staff members <laughs> of the show. <laughs> uh yes, uh, continuing on. We don't have a whole lot more yeah. again there. Uh, but then, uh, Natasha explains to them how Svenlora, they got chipped, and then, uh, chipped everybody else, because it only takes one to get infected for everybody else to, and that she, uh, left the others, basically, around, uh, like, to their own devices, because she couldn't just sit around while they tried to stop, like, think about what to do next, and she had to basically just act immediately, and then everybody decides to pity party about being gone while this all happened, and over the people that were close to them, like Micah and Scorpia being chipped, and then Glimmer promises Natasha that they're at least here and now, and that they're gonna go back to the town and get Spinderella back and help everybody because they can't undo what they did before, but they can at least make sure it doesn't happen more. Yeah. And um, Spinderella's off interrogating interrogating the shop lady, but she doesn't know anything because she was there to see them for all of like two minutes and didn't <laughs> know obviously anything going on. Only for another clone to walk up to them saying that the rebels have been spotted near the woods. Only for this guy to just be wrong Hordak leading the others into a trap and he does his little like winky pose and everything as Glimmer starts blasting fools. I do like his boy band winky pose. <laughs> yeah. He, this man didn't know what emotions were until just today, I guess three weeks into being born, and all of a sudden he's just fully into doing anime poses now. <laughs> uh. Uh, and then everybody else uh, starts taking out the various mechs and drones as Glimmer teleports civilians to safety. And eventually, Catcher tells Adora and Natasha to get Spinnerella while the others deal with all the various guards. And then, hey, look, there's another full anima- uh, transformation sequence. I wasn't expecting it in this episode. <laughs> We're at like maybe 11 overall, I think. I lost count ages ago because I stopped writing it down in trivia. <laughs> uh. And then Glimmer goes and gets the shopkeep to safety as, as Spinderella basically just tosses her aside, <laughs> just like to her death, more or less. As Adora and Natasha then go and fight Spinderella, but Adora basically doesn't want to actually hurt Spinderella, and Natasha has to tell her, no, fucking fight her proper. She's not going to hold back, so you shouldn't either, idiot. <laughs> and they eventually get her stuck in some nuts as Natasha tries to get her to fight the chip, but she can't really resist it for long. But is able to like at least hold like hold back against it for a little bit. And in my notes here, I say, "Oh, hey, look at that! I just now got why this episode is called an ill wind because wind magic." <laughs> <laughs> That's what my notes say verbatim. I wrote it there just to point out that it's like, "Oh, I get it," 
because when I saw the title, I was like, oh, there's going to be some bad news. And it's like, yeah, there is. But it's like, oh, right. It's because of Wind Magic. So. <laughs> I do feel like, uh, and this is maybe just situational, but essentially what Adora says is that Spinnerella's still in there and she needs Natasha to remind her who she is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a little bit revisionist history. Like, Kedra died and you brought her back to life to get the chip to stop functioning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and even then it's like the the chip was like still on Yeah, still and then they had to do brain surgery then, to get it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had to get fucking Gunny here with his hacksaw to do untrained brain surgery on Skip <laughs> in order to get this to stop fully. And yes, I'm always going to bring up Dimension 20 also when I can help it because Dimension 20 rules and if I can make D&D jokes, I'm also going to make Dimension 20 jokes. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah it's just like yeah it would it would not just be like yeah just talk to her and she'll fight it fully and be okay it's like catch her almost died like catch her full time yeah. <laughs> and then got and then got uh she she full died but it's like oh hey well guess what we're here within a minute's time so we can revive a fight it's all yeah. good don't worry like I understand that impulse because that is usually how that works in kids shows but that's mm-hmm. super not what happened last time and I don't know why they're kind of no. like acting like it was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the power of being gay. Well, I mean, to be fair, hey, why didn't that work with Adora and Catra then? <laughs> they, they haven't figured out they're they haven't figured out that they're fully gay yet. But Natasha and Spencer all arrived, so I guess they have more gay power <laughs> at the moment. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, Spinnerella basically gets taken back over by the chip and flees to town as everybody else hears. And Catra assures Natasha that her wife will be okay after the chip she moved because she's speaking from experience, but also getting to mention the fact that she died in order for that to happen. <laughs> uh, and then Adora does a weird thing where she blasts the big floating horde symbol from the sky above the town to be a sword. And I don't know what I heard this really is. It's like... Is, is is that just a fucking horde prime using a bunch of drones in the night sky to float and a big icon <laughs> of himself above or something like that? Uh, it's. <laughs> like uh, how the... I mean, I would guess it's probably a hologram. It would be more cost effective than drones, but. Yeah, but then the door would have to shoot the actual like hologram projector, not the hologram itself, to make a change. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I get that. It, it very much reads like a, like, you took over this bandit cap in Assassin's Creed, and now it has your color on it or whatever, <laughs> instead of being red. Congratulations. You now climbed this tower to get more of the map. I, I don't really uh, know why he was flying the bat signal anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much that. I guess it's really just to send a message of, like, this is mine, fuckers. Fuck you. I guess. Even though mo- even though most people here are chipped or useless people who can't really do anything to fight back, <laughs> but just know that it's mine. I put my name on it. And that makes it mine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but uh, Natasha then ends up taking them to see Frosty Perfumist, Fifty, and Emily, and Katra is just like basically the odd one out of everything because again she used to be the, like their enemy. And then when the door invites her to meet everybody, Frosted just slow motion socks her in the jaw with an ice fist. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny that Katra, even though she should expect it, is just like, really? Come on. <laughs> there is. Like, not. <laughs> uh, uh, um, something I want to comment on just real quick. Like, mm-hmm. Perfuma's design has changed slightly. She's got this, like, forehead decoration thing now, and it's just not commented on. It feels very strange to me. Because the uh, rest I of her outfit is exactly the same, so the fact that she's wearing headgear on now and they just don't talk about it is super strange. 
Yeah, I'll have to check that again because I didn't see that. Who knows it? Uh, but yeah, uh, after Ketra gets punched, Adora quickly explains that she's on her their side. She doesn't explain where Hordak apparently, nor the fact that she's in her full She-Ra outfit. Although I guess Fifty did say that She-Ra was back, but like at the same time, nobody pays much attention to what Fifty says anyway. So it's like, hey, it's full of shit. <laughs> nobody, nobody comments on the fact that Adora is back in She-Ra outfit with a different sword and everything. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, this episode's over with Adora saying the words that's begun, and the word that there's only four episodes left in this show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I don't have any trivia for these episodes, because again, Shira's not really a trivia show, and there's... At this point, I think it's safe to assume no new characters are being introduced in the last four. Uh, that's probably a safe bet, yeah. You never know. I don't remember any you new watched, characters. You watched... <laughs> Come on, you watch this show. <laughs> yes, but clearly I have remembered things incorrectly about this show. Yeah, like transformation sequences being in every episode. <laughs> yeah. So I don't remember any more characters from here on out, but I'm not going to say I'd, it's I'd impossible. I'd imagine that. I'd imagine that. But at the same time, I feel like we're getting another character introduced in the finale of Owl House based on what we talked about. Yep. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the other possibility, I guess, is like... I mean, we saw clips of the Space Rebellion, right? So maybe... <laughs> I don't think those people are going to matter. <laughs> I think that's really just to be like, look at this, other people are starting to fight back against the Space Fascists. Yeah, I did do some research into that, because some of the people that you see there is, like... They have very specific designs that made me think that they were important characters, yeah, but they're just not. They like, were, I guess... Yeah, like, a lot of them seem like they're kind of drawn in, like, different ways, too. Like, different art styles, in a sense. Yeah. Or at least maybe maybe it's just because their designs are just, like, different and haven't seen them at all and not going to most likely see them again. It's just, like, maybe they just stand out as a result. That makes sense, but, yeah, like... But... I really thought that they were going to be characters from the original show just because they do stand out so much. And, like, one of them has a weird little animal companions. So that screams to me that they're just retreads. But no, they're apparently OCs. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Uh, was there any, uh, like, 80s stuff from these Like two? a lot is the thing. Like, I, I... <laughs> a lot, though. <laughs> I imagine at the least Milog, right? Because I'm pretty sure Milog wasn't a cat before. Uh, yes. Well, so we're going to go through a lot, but we're going to start with Aralandia. Um, it's a city. It's a kingdom on <laughs> Etheria. It is not inhabited by mushroom people. Uh, looks, ve looks very uh, Jetson-y with all the tall towers. Yes, this is King Duplis. He is the king of... Uh, <laughs> Aralandia. So, sorry, did you say Duplis is in the boss of Chapter 4 of Paper Mario a Thousand Year Door? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Duplis is in... He kind of sounds like he's going to betray you, but actually he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, Duplis. <laughs> um, long story short, it's only in one episode. It's a pretty standard place. Like The king is paying the horde taxes because the horde controls everything, but his son wants to join the rebellion, blah blah blah. Uh, the horde captures his son, they send him off to the planet Kritus to work in the, the mines of Mondor. Uh, <laughs> and then the rebellion helps him get his son back, and he joins up. The end. We never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's so many kingdoms on 80s Ethereum. It's yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, that's kind of just what shows were back then. It's just, here's the problem of the week. Well, that's true. But also, like, given that it's specifically an intergalactic show where there's planets all over the galaxy that are being invaded in junk, there's still just dozens and dozens and dozens of kingdoms on Etheria. You would think that they would be on other planets once in a while. Um, Kratos in the old show is just a planet. Like, there's mines there that sometimes people get banished to. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> um, so that's... I mean, that's kind of more than what we got in this, in this uh, revision of the show, anyway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, on to the future. Uh, the thing is, is that Milog, as it exists in this show, is super not a thing in the original show, like, at all. It's kind of a like a fusion, a combination of two separate characters. So the thing is, is that Catra Classic had a lion mount, a, a friend named Claudine, but like C L A W, and yeah, exactly. it's way too similar to Steven Universe's lion. Is the thing? Yeah, yeah, that that is just <laughs> lion, really. I mean, it, it's got like uh like an actual like seat, like a harness and all. But that's just lion. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely just lion. So I, I wonder, I wonder if maybe lion is actually based on this cat. Now I gotta look this up to see if maybe they drew inspiration. It's possible, but yeah. So because of that, they couldn't give Catra her pet cat mount, so they had to do something else with it. And what they did instead was they combined the idea of Claudine with uh, Maylog, which is how it was pronounced in that show. It was in the show notes specifically. You always pronounce it with a May, not a me. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. And uh, that was um, way more complicated. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, Swamp Thing. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, essentially, the idea behind Maylog is that Shadow Weaver had the idea that she wanted to create a, a, a monster, basically. So she made this mud thing and got it to fight She-Ra, as you do, and it, like, ends up wrestling She-Ra, but apparently it has the ability to steal the attributes of the things it touches. So, after touching She-Ra, that uh, Clayface-esque fellow becomes this... And she gains She-Ra's powers, and the first thing she does is throw a tank at She-Ra, so you know that's consistent. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, as you do, you go from being a mud, uh, mud swamp monster to being a hot lady. Yeah, and you know, she's around for a while. And... HRT does miracles sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at this point, it's the Melog, Maylog it's called, and so it's around for a while, and eventually She-Ra gets trapped by a force field generator, and the Maylog is realizes that it can pick up the sort of protection and is able to, you know, it saves She-Ra from the force field because it's been, like, watching humanity and learning from them, kind of Frankenstein-esque. And so, eventually, uh, in thanks for saving her, She-Ra takes away Maylog's shape-shifting powers and turns it into a regular human. So it does go from it-its pronouns to using she-her pronouns. Uh, classic Maylog is pretty trans. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. And like always, uh, you just have to make sure that her outfit has a very low-cut uh, bit nudity. Yes. Just because that's the 80s. Exactly. <laughs> She's... I'm pretty sure that this is just She-Ra's model, but with red hair, so... <laughs> <laughs> that does track for the appearance-stealing I mean, thing. To be fair, all the princesses in the 80s show kind of look like they're just 
like a character creator that person just decided to start changing like hair and eye color and not much yeah, else that's fair <laughs> just to see what the variations look like. <laughs> it's like it's like smash bros uh different character colorations yeah so just not just not as uh drastic as stuff like dark link yeah so they they got modern maylog essentially by combining this shape-shifting creature with Catra's Mount, and that's that's where that came from. There are a couple more notes I want to make about the classic Maylog, which don't super apply to the modern one, but we're talking about the 80s anyway, so here we go. Um, the So the thing is, it's M-E-L-O-G, which is Golem spelled backwards. It's, it's a mud monster that's servile to Shadow Weaver. She conjures it from nothing. It's like straight up a, a, a golem out of Jewish lore, so that's not great. The only thing that like it doesn't have Met Emet written on its forehead, but it does eventually go wild and betray its creator. So you know, I'm just saying. Um, and the other thing is that uh, this was created by uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who you may be familiar with, in so far as uh, he's a pretty prolific writer in a lot of ways uh he created babylon 5 so uh he wrote spider-man for about 10 years uh this dude is pretty up there as far as nerd writers go and it's just very amusing to me that he just happens to be involved with this one character on classic (laughs) she-ra weird so I, while you were saying that all, I was doing some research about whether uh, Lion is based off of Claudine, and I found a tweet from N.D. Stevenson from May 16th of 2020 saying, yep, we couldn't use Claudine because she's identical to the Lion from Steven Universe, so we made them more alien-like and merged them with me like a shape-shifting one-off monster from the original. <laughs> so that at least explains it where I guess it's not like... I guess it was just because, like, I don't know, maybe there's, like, a patent on Lion from Steven Universe, or because it was just more recent than the yeah. 80s show, that they were, like, you know, obviously they get away with Lion being kind of similar to Claudine, but they can't, couldn't get the other way around. Exactly, yeah, because so Lion they, showed up so pretty that's... early in that show, as I understand it, so. Yeah, Li- Lion's in, oh, when when was Lion introduced? I need to see now. Uh, da da when was Lion introduced? He was introduced in... Uh, first appearance, Steven's Lion. That is season 1, episode 10. And considering that episodes in Steven Universe are like 10 minutes long, that was really more like episode <laughs> yeah. 5 overall, <laughs> technically. <laughs> yeah, so that... I mean, that just got out there so fast that she just couldn't volley yeah. back, so to speak. <laughs> oh man, that's that episode is right after Tiger Millionaire, which is the, the wrestling one when Steven creates a little millionaire persona where he wears a little cat face. <laughs> and gives that money. Uh yeah no I, I I remember that one in particular a lot just because uh, Tiger Millionaire is what I always named my Lydon in Pokemon Sun and Moon because it's just funny that he becomes a Wrestle Heel Cat much like Steven was. <laughs> <laughs> the... uh, let's see. So yeah, we- weird coincidence that it's like oh, okay, it's, Lion's not based on Claudine, but like they were like we can't reuse Claudine because of Steven Universe, <laughs> so we made me like more. Of a different, like, illusion cat and mixed it with a mud shape shifting translator. What's really interesting to me is that on the Steven Universe wiki, um, Lion specifically is said to be similar to Lockjaw from the Inhumans, which, if you are familiar, yeah, is that, but... extremely not like. 
Yeah, because well, I yeah yeah because like uh, I remember Lockjaw because he hangs around with uh, Miss Marvel yeah, in those yeah. early uh, co- comics. Yeah, but yeah, no, that, not not really from my recollection. Not pretty close because like Lockjaw talks and everything. Uh, no, and he's also not like, really. Doesn't doesn't he? I thought he, he talks. does not talk. No. Uh, oh, well, I, I feel like he's more intelligent and with it than Lion is, because Lion's just a big cat and just wants to sleep. Uh, so the thing about the Inhumans is, uh, uh, they start out as human-looking people, and then when they're exposed to the Terrigen gas, they mutate into their final form. Which is to say, this dog did used to be a guy. Oh, uh, right, right, yeah, because yeah, cause that's how uh, Kamala got her powers, yeah. too, yeah. And normally, that's pretty freaky looking hence inhuman so yeah like this dude turned into a giant dog uh there's another guy who just turned into a door it's (laughs) (laughs) comic comic said that yeah (laughs) yeah also it's really weird to remember that lion is technically a zombie Uh, uh, I guess that maybe is spoilers for the University of Evergrande there and did that show. But yeah, technically Lion is a zombie. I guess I should say, in the interest of fairness, Lockjaw is sometimes said not to be originally a human. Sometimes they say he's a dog who had the inhuman gene. It's really inconsistent, and I think it's because everyone's uncomfortable with the idea of him being a man. Yeah, yeah, fair. I mean, that's like some fucking Tobias from Animorphs shit, where it's like, well, you're sorry, but uh, you're... you're you stuck in the bird. Yeah, but no thought speak this time. <laughs> yeah, you, you birded too long, so now you're bird. Is that, yeah. Just, you know, for the sake of fairness, I have to point that out. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, that's it for the 80s for me today. Uh, none of those mushroom people were from the show, so that's... <laughs> That's the longest segment I've had in a long time, and probably the longest one I'll have for the rest of the show, but that's it for now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, just in the interest of uh, just checking it out, earlier I did just check to see if there was any like interesting trivia from For the Future to bring up, but it's really nothing was in there. It was just like a lot of stuff like, oh, well, when Hunter says the magic of friendship, that's a, that's a My Little Pony reference, and it's like, thanks, Joe, we got it, we get that. I know, <laughs> thanks, Vicky. <laughs> Obviously, that was what they were going for there. <laughs> yeah, it was just like minor things like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Nothing. Nothing really interesting there compared to the previous time. Because if I'm remembering correctly, I think we had a lot of trivia. For yeah, there was so much in that that first episode. Yeah. Like, I kind of wonder if more people will spot stuff as things go on, but I didn't notice that much yeah. myself. Oh, the, oh, there. Oh, there was one thing. Apparently, like, in the background in one scene at New Hexide, uh, there's a student that's designed to look like Anne from Amphibia. I did not see her, but that's what the wikia said. <laughs> so I'll take the wikia at its, uh, at its uh, word, Well, that's just even more confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also funny because, like, people saw, like, uh, there was, like, a flag in the background that's supposed to be, like, Bosch's, like, logo that she made because it's, like, it's her three guys with, like, uh... Like a little bit like a flaming Gretzky mm-hmm. ball, and people saw that, and they were like, "Wait, is it fucking Darcy <laughs> from Amphibia?" And it's like, and then like I, I saw people like adding uh, Rebecca Rose, and she was like, "No, actually, it, it looks like that, but it's supposed to be Basha." <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's amusing because again, multiple eyes, and it's like, yeah, but also like Darcy has like like twelve eyes or yeah. something like that compared to Basha only having three, so it's like it's cl- kind of clearly it's Basha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm mostly just weirded out about the uh, about there being an Anne at Hexside if Anne is also on Earth. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if you want to get you're real crazy with the stuff, I mean, uh, the Calamity Box is also in the Arrow House, even though the Calamity Box is toast. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> different different universes, but also maybe shared Earth. Who knows? <laughs> <sighs> Even though one's set in like 2019 and the other is set in 2020. <laughs> well, yes. That's how time works. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but also like Anne was missing for like maybe like half a year in the frog world and then there's still a, uh, an old article I guess that uh, Camille is looking at from like half a year ago or over a year ago by that point about the frog girl. Well, the article is about the frog girl being a hoax, so presumably this is a new article debunking her story. <laughs> Well, I mean, as as they said uh, in uh, Marcy's journal, apparently they tried to like play off uh, frog pocket, uh, well, not frog pockets, the uh, whatever frog frog again, they called it uh, was basically just a shoot for a movie that went horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like we don't see what paper Camille's reading, but I kind of get the feeling that she's reading the digital version of the newspaper that you get and the checkout line at the commissary like the uh the, the skeptical inquirer yeah, the, yeah, or whatever the, the, yeah the, the fucking trash <laughs> <laughs> yeah the stuff that you sh you wouldn't even want to use as like lining for your pet's cage bat boy real <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah I, I really don't got anything else yeah. i mean she has always just canonically not had like any real trivia because it's not that kind of shit <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if it's really just like the nature of it being a Netflix show that they just really can't do as much of those like wink and nods to other things as much. That's compared, to, especially especially compared to like uh, like like stuff like Owl House and Amphibia being on like a network TV show, so like they can reference each other at times. And yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Like, I don't I think, think I don't think I've ever seen this Bat Child. Really? Thing. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the classic tabloid cover. <laughs> there were so many stories about Bat Boy. <laughs> and they all use that picture. It's just... <laughs> it kind of looks a little bit like a mixture of like a VTM Nosferatu and that horrifying PS3 baby. If <laughs> 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 anybody remembers PS3 baby... <laughs> Cause I do. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, I, I compared to the pre current uh, list of potential presidential candidates, I would take Bat Boy and Bigfoot for, for uh, the. <laughs> no, I'm House. pretty sure that second one is fake. That's not an actual paper that they ran, but <laughs> there were a lot of them. Well, yeah, um, can't do. They can't do much worse than our current crop of politicians. <laughs> uh, alrighty, well, I've got nothing, so I guess we can bump the transformation count up by one point, and we're good to go, huh? <laughs> yeah, whatever the count was before. Uh oh, because <laughs> I sure again have not been keeping track. Well, of I it. guess we have to go re-listen <laughs> to our entire series. Uh. I mean, no, realistically, I would just have to look through all my notes in chronological order for Shira to see what the count was, and then uh, I guess that's fair. And then Control F Transform, I guess, and the other ones that don't have it listed in the bottom. <laughs> uh, 
But but also that feels like that would be ten whole minutes, and I don't want to do that. That <laughs> is very fair. I don't blame you at all. Especially because we only have two more weeks of talking about Shira. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I guess it's. But let's go ahead and wrap this up, huh? You ready for plugs? <laughs> yeah, because also I realized we didn't do that last week. Yeah, we ran so late that we just kind of cut it off. But uh, I feel no, I feel like we forgot <laughs> because we ran so late that we just kind of cut it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I liked the way it ended. That was a nice ending. Um, this week is going to be considerably more involved. <laughs> um. Yeah, so for the moment, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket, where, you know, Twitter still exists. I don't touch it as much these days, because why would I? Uh, I'm also on yeah, co-host yeah. at nobody. Um, our show is on co-host at us weirdos, which should be a, a, a page that we both have access to very soon. I finally heard back about that. So Hey, <laughs> finally, so I can post stuff there too. Yeah. And then... Um, I'm also working on some upcoming projects. Uh, I'm working with the Transverse, which is a, a a network of inclusive people trying to put together resources and programs for trans folks. I'm going to be on several of their actual play shows at twitch.tv slash the Transverse. I'll be on two D&D 5e shows, which is very appropriate considering all the jokes we make. And uh, one superhero show using the Marvel superhero adventure game system from the 90s. So if you would be into me playing a robot that is very worried about the fact that it thinks it's a human, uh, that would be the show for you. <laughs> Those are slated to start in the first week of March. So this is definitely early advance, but they told us we're allowed to talk about it now. So there we go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't even aware that there was like a Marvel t tabletop game system from the 90s. Oh, it is very cool. The entire thing is card-based. Oh. Neat. They use a, a custom card deck that's like designed for this game, so we had to replicate the whole thing in Roll20 to make it work. <laughs> oh, gotcha. There, there has to be like a actual like Marvel tabletop game currently, right? I don't remember when the last one was, but there have been three or four of them. Yeah. Okay, it's kind of like the Star Wars ones, where the Star Wars ones are kind of just been in the background up until Star Wars Five E. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, which is really just D and D, but with some terms changed to be forest and powers instead of magic. Uh, it looks like the current one is the Marvel multiverse role playing game. Which appears to have come out in 2022, so... Oh, well, there you go. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, if only they were still actually working on Hero to make, like, a Hero 7th edition, but Hero seems like it's kind of dead, and those books are really pricey. <laughs> uh, but yes, I was trying to delay a little bit more so I could try to figure out how I'm going to actually pronounce my new handle, because of the new name. Uh, so, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm now... At the underscore Oblivion, I think is how I'm going to pronounce that. It's really just kind of like Vivian, but with O-B-L-I in front of it, like Oblivion, <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> I thought of that name, like, shortly after I thought the name Vivian, and it's like, oh, well, how can I not do this? And then, of course, like, three people had taken Oblivion, <laughs> or <laughs> just as default on Twitter, and it's like, fuckers. <laughs> Would you like me to add that to the uh, show notes? In the past, I've only put in our show stuff, but... <laughs> Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, it might be easier to yeah. have that link than trying to spell it out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. 
Uh, I do not remember, because I made another co-host with that, because I definitely did not see a way to change your co-host name, and I do not remember off the top of my head what my new co-host name is. I think it's just Oblivion uh, there uh-oh. as well. Well, yeah. uh, I guess, I mean, your old account is the one that's going to get access to the Us Weirdos page, so... Oh, well, no, it doesn't matter. That, I mean, that one I can still just, like, post from the t- the co-host itself, and it will just say Us Weirdos, yeah. so it doesn't okay, matter. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't have anything else going on, really. It's just, yeah, just doing my normal shit, I guess. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, sounds good. So with with all that plugging out of the way, uh, I definitely will have to find a way to condense all that. Uh, I think there's much left to say, but uh, remember, us weirdos have to stick together. (laughs) Bye. Okay, sorry, You you still there? Okay, Ziggy just ripped my headphone cord out, like, right before I did the outro, so I could not hear if you were with me or not.